Hello and welcome to a very special bonus episode of Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast and my name, mine, is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. I am so excited to be here, Brendan. Uh, this is an episode we've been looking forward to for a while. And I think in all the bonus episodes we've announced, it seems like it got like the most immediate like excitement from others. Yeah, this is the first one that's like been like essentially requested by, yeah. by the listeners, um, which is fun. We've never really yeah. done that before. I think there was one episode where like just offhandedly you or I were like, yeah, we're thinking about like because the bonus episodes have kind of become like a pedestal of sorts, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> like mm-hmm. at first it was really like you and I, I remember back in 2019 talked for like a long time about, OK, f- because we have a Patreon now, like what are we doing more of? Like, what does that look like for the show? Yeah. Um, and we settled on this idea of doing a monthly bonus episode that's available for everyone. And just sort of like by default, it became like an opportunity to like really focus on one game or one idea and like really kind of just dive deep on that. But it's it's also kind of become the thing I look forward to the most. And it's like the thing that kind of almost rises above the rest for the month. You know, it's like, yeah, has this pageantry to it that I don't think you or I intended at first, but it just sort of happened. <laughs> Absolutely not. My favorite, <laughs> actually, looking back on all of them, one of my favorite ones that we've done was uh, when we sat down to do an Animal Crossing bonus and it turned into a Persona 5 Royal bonus yes, also. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, it, it was literally, it was because you and I have also said that like, it takes us maybe a half hour to two hours sometimes to like start actually recording. Yeah. But that just was like, okay, we're talking about Persona 5 so much, we should just do it. <laughs> that, that, that just sort of yeah. squeezed its way onto the episode. For context, uh, dear listener, we just hit record 43 minutes into our Skype call. <laughs> Talked about a lot of fun stuff. Yeah, we've been, having, we've been having a good time over here. But uh, what is this episode about, Stephen? What are we talking about? What did the listeners request? Yeah, they... Okay, so this is something I'm so, 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 so excited to explore with you. The listeners requested, and we uh, offered and accepted to explore <laughs> our favorite video game soundtracks. So what you and I have done, and this is something that we also like thought a lot about in terms of structure... Because we were like, okay, do we treat it like a game of the year episode where we like write down 10 soundtracks and then we like try to make five and that just didn't feel right. Because like, I mean, everything is subjective. Even when we do that for games, it's like kind of arbitrary at a certain point. It's fun and it it really makes us like really think about the year and, and choose the things to really celebrate. But I think with music especially, it's like even more subjective somehow that like ranking anything even just for me felt like antithetical to the energy for this episode. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a really great way of putting it. So I, I, I've actually been thinking a lot since we had that conversation because uh, you and I were like really back and forth on whether we should like rank anything at all. Um, and, and, and I was pretty staunchly in like the no camp for music for some reason. And I was trying yeah. to like really land on why that was the case, why I'm so okay with doing it for Goaty and less okay with doing it for this. And, and I think kind of where I landed and and the reason I like ranking things in general is is I think I like exploring what's important to me and I don't know if if it's very easy to do that without like sitting down and saying here's all the things that I like and if I try and put them in a definitive order I'll learn more about myself and my own taste um, and and what I what I hold in terms of uh, you know uh, specific parameters of like a piece of media above other parameters And, and I think that really serves to kind of like illustrate what kind of show you and I have whenever we get to do the goatee stuff because sure. like yeah. 
it is literally the amalgam of both of our tastes combined. Something about soundtracks and music in general, as you were just saying, feels so subjective that like I just I just don't think I would be capable of doing it. I have a very hard time. I, I've mentioned this on the show before, but I'm like an obsessive playlister on Spotify. I've, I've had yeah. a Spotify account literally since the day they launched in the United States. I threw <laughs> oh, a party yeah. at my house. Um, oh, my God. I, I was in a band at the time. Uh, thanks and for the invite. I'm sorry. You, you. I don't think you were living anywhere <laughs> we near me at the friends. time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's okay. I was kidding. I was living with a band at the time, um, and and we invited like other bands around us and other industry people we knew over to our house because we knew that Spotify was launching in the United States, and we like threw a party that was like at midnight. We're all going to sign up for Spotify accounts, which is very silly, but we sure yeah. did it. Um, and I've had a Spotify account ever since. I've just been like a big fan of like that as a service and as a way to explore music and kind of like um, keep track of my own taste. Um, and I have playlists for my top albums, my top songs, and then eventually boiling them down to top 10 albums and top 10 songs for every year since Spotify launched. I've been doing this like forever. And that's more for me for the same reasons I just described, like why you and I should rank video games for Goaty. That's like just a personal thing. Every once in a while, I'll go on the internet and I'll like write up a post that's like, here are my top 10 whatevers. But usually I just keep them to myself because it's more of an exploration of my own like media uh, uh, diet and, and how I feel about this stuff. That said, doing it for something like this, like a wide breadth of soundtracks over the course of many, many years just feels like too much for my brain to really handle. Like I could right. sit down and do it, but I don't think it would be genuine. I don't think it would be an actual reflection of how I feel because I'm sure I would change my mind like maybe sure. tomorrow. We could maybe do it if we said like the best soundtracks this year, you know, but yes. like <laughs> yes. that's, that's exactly forever. what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh my God. That being said, I was wondering like, okay, but how do we limit ourselves in some way to make sure it's not like, uh, you know, I mean, not that we care about episode length. Look at that. Who <laughs> uh -huh. cares? So basically, Brendan and I both like listen to a lot of video game soundtracks uh, more. I mean, I, I tend to already, but I made like a more concentrated effort to like revisit some stuff. And we brought to the table, like, you know, we, we kept it between like a dozen and 20 or around there, yeah. um, which may sound like a lot, but I think like, I just sort of made it to, okay, what are like, what are to me, and again, extremely subjective, what are to me like the essentials and why? Um, and something that I really valued in doing this is like, even more deeply than we usually do, really exploring music's relationship with each game individually you know it's like yeah okay not just i like the music from this game but like what is it about the music in this game what role does the music play in this game that is so effective to me mm -hmm. um so you know i tried to really consider the music's relationship with the game uh on equal measure to like me just enjoying listening to it on spotify <laughs> right right yeah. um uh, a very funny just quick story about me though like while you were throwing the party for Spotify, uh, or you know that Spotify was in the U.S. I was absolutely still ripping CDs into my iTunes, and <laughs> the only reason I got Spotify was I left my iPod Touch on the train in New Jersey, and yeah. someone took it, and I oh, no. was like, "Shit! Well, I don't want to get a new iPod," so I downloaded Spotify to make my phone into an iPod esque thing. There you go. And that's that's how I got in. That that's the story of how Stephen became a fan of music. Somehow, me buying CDs in 2013 is still like a similar energy to how you and I play games sometimes too. <laughs> I'm like, I walked to the retro store and I bought an N64 for 
thousand dollars. It's broken. <laughs> I mean, I, I will say that like the era of Spotify, right when it launched in the United States, was like me having it on my iPhone 4S and like you know a uh, 3G signal not being powerful enough to actually stream a song like reliably. Uh, that yeah. was like the era of like Google Maps would just completely shit out on you halfway through your journey and you would just be lost in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. So. Not not exactly like the best streaming uh, platform at the time, but, uh, you know, I, I sure was a fan for a while. Anyway, Spotify aside, I do think like although it, we just uh, explained a lot about our, our process and our thought, our thought like going into the making of this episode. I do think it's going to be a rather loose conversation, which I'm kind of excited about. Yeah, I think me too. We're recording at night, which I always have to bring up. Like, I, I think um, canonically, I need to bring up whenever we're recording at night because it has like a very different vibe generally. Skeletons come out. Yeah, the skeletons are out, which is really yeah. fun. My skeleton came out. I'm actually just the flesh and organs. Yeah, I'm just goop in a pool right on the now. ground. Yeah. <laughs> Um, right there are there are, uh you know evil beings laughing exactly like that all over the place um, <laughs> um I, I like our night episodes because they're, they're generally pretty chill uh and, yeah. and i think this is going to be the most chill which i think will be nice um yeah man yeah. absolutely um and i think what's cool too is like i mean i you know like i i'm music plays a very big role in my life I don't have a profoundly technical knowledge of it, so I'm not any kind of expert on speaking on like a, you know, I, I, I can't go into detail on like the chord progression or the, you know, whatever. I don't even have the terminology to sound impressive. Mm -hmm. um, but again, my focus here was what is the relationship with the game? What does the soundtrack mean to me? Um, and I've even kind of lumped my choices into five or six like very broad categories, which I'm hoping will kind of anchor the conversation. I think in talking about them, we will end up talking about the games themselves as well. So we'll kind of touch on like a lot of absolutely a lot of titles here. Yeah. Yeah. So do you do you want to start? Do you want to bring one to the table first? Yeah, let's do it. Also, heads, uh, I'm just going to preemptively give AJ an even bigger thanks than usual, because I think that this episode may have some music samples in it, and I feel like it will be a little harder to produce than a normal one. So just yes. like, thank you, preemptively. Thank you so G much, AJ. AJ, give yourself a big round of applause, like in the audio here. <laughs> just like, uh, yeah, and, and maybe even like a little theme song for yourself, too. Whoa. Be musical. This is a very that. musical episode. And yeah, I'll say it. it's a very jellical episode too. Whatever. Imagine. Um, oh man. Missed opportunity for you and I to ask. Fuck. <laughs> hey, there will eventually. AJ, AJ, bleep that out. Actually, that's a great idea. We're going to do that eventually. Yeah, season five. I think <laughs> season five. I think there will have to be a <laughs> eventually. Uh, when you and I are vaccinated, there's going to be a into the aether. Absolutely. I've actually been daydreaming about if we can ever do live shows and what they will look like, they will not be low key, man. Those would be <laughs> wild. <laughs> I'm going to go all out for those. Okay. You want to start? Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you start. Okay, cool. Oh my God. So many, so many possibilities. I'm so torn between which category I want to start in. And again, these are not above or below the other. They're just sort of like anchoring points. I want to start with this one because this is actually, I think, the most plentiful category. Um, and I think it's also the most synonymous with the spirit of this episode. This category I wrote here is when the soundtrack celebrates the game. That's my wow. category qualifier here, which you would have the most like wholesome version of the Grammys. <laughs> <laughs> 
the Hilgies. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Okay. <laughs> there it is. Um, I think all these categories I've made are, are pretty broad inherently. And I think yeah. they have a decent amount of overlap. I think you'll know what I mean as I list the ones that are in this category. Mm. But for me, the soundtracks who are in this category of celebrating the game are soundtracks that like feel like they know how cool or how fun the game is and they're just like living it up you know it's like yeah. almost like they are the announcer for the game and they're like yeah this rules doesn't it um <laughs> and i think what better way to start than uh the first game i have here under this category which is marvel versus capcom 2 new age of heroes oh wow i'm an employee of marvel entertainment anything i say and yeah, do sorry does not reflect you- <laughs> the views of my employer uh, cool. All right, let's talk about Marvel vs. Capcom 2, a game that I'm not allowed to talk about at all. I'm sorry. It will, it will be quick. For It will be merci- mercifully quick. Uh, it was composed, the soundtrack, by Tetsuya Shibata and Mitsuhiku Takano. So the thing about this game that I find kind of miraculous is, like, this game came out, I think, well before... I mean, it's the sequel to Marvel vs. Capcom, so the idea of, like, these crossover fighting games was not new, but it wasn't, like, as everywhere as it is, as it is now. You know, this is before, yeah. I think this might have been like before or around the same time as the first Smash Brothers. So like this idea, I think, was kind of percolating at this time. Mm. And it could have potentially been like a very tonally mismatched thing. I mean, there's like the Capcom characters and the Marvel characters, like they're both big enough worlds that like you can you can have characters that kind of meet a similar energy. Like X-Men kind of feels like it would be in a Capcom game at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you know, you've got, like, Jill from Resident Evil. Uh, you've got Captain Commando, literally Capcom, and then, like, Thanos. And it's like, so, so for me, the uniting force of this game is the soundtrack, which inexplicably is just, like, acid jazz, like, the most, like, upbeat time that doesn't match either world's vibe. It's yeah. like... The, the vibe of this game is defined by the music itself. It's got the iconic character select song uh, that I want to take for a ride, which, you know, that that one lyric made me write this category of celebrating the game. I'm like, yeah. OK, that's that's the vibe I'm getting. Because I, I, th- I think so immediately you think it's going to be like almost the Doom MIDI electric guitar, you know, like right. That, it, right. that it's just going to be like straight up like metal, but like, you know, filtered through like 80 layers of synths and then boiled down to the five tracks you can have on a Super Nintendo or whatever. Right. <laughs> I think it's just really fascinating that like this game could have been like a jumble of songs from Capcom games, Oof, you know? Yeah. Um, and yet they chose to have this completely original jazz soundtrack that uh, just makes the whole game feel really upbeat and really tongue-in-cheek and very celebratory. I mean, that's something I love about fighting games is, like, how much pageantry and ego is involved there. Yeah. And I think that, like, when you're playing these games, they're so chaotic. Um, I love the third one as well, but the second one just has, I think, the better design and the better music. And, you know, there's just so many stages that, like, make you look forward to playing this game. Even if you're losing, you're just happy to be there. So that's why I had to choose this one. Yeah. I want to hear what else is in this category for you. Oh, I mean, there's a lot. There, there are a good amount of games. Do you want me to just to move on to the next? Yeah, yeah. Tell me the next one because I'm, I'm wondering if hearing more because it's just dear listener for your uh, awareness. I did not uh, categorize 
all of my games. I have one loose category and then everything else is just kind of floating around. I'm wondering if hearing more from this category will allow me to maybe uh, take some stuff and throw it in your category as well. Yeah, sure. So I'll give you another one that's very similar. Um, I was really like torn between which fighting game I wanted to feature here because like there's so many iconic soundtracks from fighting games. Um, And those are games that you're going to return to like often, you know, some music I think plays a very kind of crucial role there. Yeah. Um, So in a similar celebratory way, I also have Street Fighter 3 Third Strike, uh, which was composed by Hideki Okugawa for very similar reasons to Marvel's Capcom 2 but replace the acid jazz with like early 2000s alt hip hop. And it's like just yes. one of the coolest soundtracks out there. Yeah, uh, really good. The the another iconic uh, player select song. There's a, like a three minute rap about choosing your character in Street Fighter. And it's incredible. <laughs> a lot of the songs were written by a Canadian rapper named Infinite. And it is like a really amazing collaboration. And similar to Marvel's Capcom 2 being like my favorite design in that series like my favorite look of the marvel vs capcom games which has kind of become its own thing at this point street fighter 3 is like by far my favorite looking street fighter game like i love the early 2000s were a very bizarre decade for a lot of things but it was like <laughs> the peak for a lot of really good fighting games um yeah and like the design of of this sort of like stylized 2d i guess ps2 or dreamcast era game i just love it so much and and the characters they feature here were like you know they had Chun Li and Ryu and Ken and everyone else was new so like I think with fighting games now there's a lot of reliance on nostalgia and they'll be like look who's back and they're twenty dollars you know but with Third <laughs> Strike they just were like fuck it we're gonna throw in all these like very interesting new characters and people love that um, and I think when you talk to a lot of Street Fighter fans. Third Strike is like always, you know, in the top three for people. Yeah. I really liked Street Fighter 4 as well as a game, but I never got into the art style. And I really didn't like how Street Fighter 5 looked either. And 2 is a classic and, and the many dozens of versions of 2. But Third Strike just like is like my ideal fighting game vibe. Wow. Um, and the, and the music does a lot for that. Yeah. I don't know a whole lot about, about Street Fighter, but I do know that that's a hot take, I think. <laughs> Probably. But I mean, I think it's because I like the soundtrack so much, you know, that yeah. the vibe of that game is so wholly unique and so fun um, that I prefer it. So like, you know, there, there's a lot of iconic songs in Street Fighter 2. Um, and that's like when you when you think of Street Fighter, I think a lot of people think of Street Fighter 2 and, and I understand why. But I think Third Strike takes it for me for the music. Check it out now. Wow, that's great. Yeah, I, I think two is the one that I always hear about. Uh, I again, I'm not a huge Street Fighter fan, so I, I don't really know. But uh, that's I, like my secret passion is fighting games. I like keep that hidden from even you. Weirdly. I know, man. I'm still waiting for the <laughs> for the episode where like we really talk about fighting games, and it seems yeah. like this is the closest we've ever gotten. And I'm just like. <laughs> I just want to like scratch that itch a little more, but you know, I guess I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to wait one day. One yeah. day we'll find one. We almost themed this whole season of the podcast around <laughs> fighting games. You remember that? Yeah, we almost did. Um, but then we, you know, I don't I'm not sure what changed. It just felt like a little bit, it didn't feel all encompassing. You just want to, you just want to keep secrets. I like secrets. I'm sorry. Um, Tell me what's next on this, in this category. Okay. Uh, so those I think were, 
those were the two fighting games that chose i think um like of overall uh which yeah might be a hot take i guess <laughs> i have um, no fighting games so uh you know the next one i have here i think you all saw coming it was it is persona 5 yes this is uh when you think of ga- soundtracks that are celebratory for the game, the battle song Last Surprise is like all about the heroes kicking ass, basically. And you hear that <laughs> song hundreds of times yeah. in your 100 hours of playing Persona 5. I mean, I think I don't need to say really much about the role music plays in the Persona series. It is if you don't even know the series or you never played it and you don't want to play it, you know and like the music. It, it's had that kind of... Like it's one of those game soundtracks that has almost risen above the game itself in popularity. Yes. Um, I've talked to many people who are like, I don't know what the fuck persona is, but I can't stop listening to rivers in the desert or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's another great song because that song is plays in a very climactic moment against a character who you probably have been waiting to fight for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we're here, man. Like, it, it just, like, the music matches the energy you have on your couch playing it. Like, constantly. Yeah. Whether it's a more solemn moment, like Beneath the Mask, when you're in the cafe and you're just coming back from either a long day out in Tokyo or a long night in the other universe where you fight demons with your friends, with your suppressed ids that you've taken control over and now can fight with, kind of like Pokemon, but, you know... Add some Buddhism and some uh, Norse mythology in there and, and reinterpret it through kind of a suggestive art style. Yeah, I mean, I think Persona 5 is so... It's it's so defined by the soundtrack in many ways, and I think it kind of like speaks the game's uh, intentions out loud and, and matches the energy of the player so directly, yeah. constantly. There, there's been this like ongoing, I'm not going to say discussion online, it's almost like a meme online recently um, that people will be like, oh yeah, this music sounds like it's from Persona, and then there will be somebody else who will like quote tweet that. And be like, this person's never heard of jazz before. Like they they think that jazz <laughs> was invented by Persona. And I very much reject that idea. Um, every time I see that kind of sentiment floating around, I'm always like, this this is like a bummer because I, I do think that Persona is doing something really different and something really special with with their scores that is outside of just like we just did jazz. Like it's not ju- it's not just them doing jazz. It's definitely way yeah, more no. than that. And I I think just to double down on your point, the way that it interacts with the narrative in really, really pivotal moments um, or even moments that like seem trivial, but are pivotal because of the music, like every battle you're in that Last Surprise plays in, um, I, I, th- I think is what makes those games really special. And and that said, they've also explored a lot of genres in those soundtracks. Do you, I mean, do you have any in, more Persona games on your list? Do you have I do. all of them? Okay. Uh, I only have two of them, actually, surprisingly. Um, I had to fight myself to just have... There were a few series where I'm like, do I, do I just take every game? <laughs> or do I have to choose? Yeah, well, um, I, I weirdly think Persona's maybe a good one to just have all of them, or at least the, the modern ones, uh, three, four, and five on because like they're all kind of exploring different things in really interesting ways um, i was gonna say that yeah. like persona 5 even isolated like it is kind of combining a lot of different genres of music yeah it was composed by shoji meguro um who i believe has done 
three and four as well. Um, and I remember seeing an article uh, that was maybe an interview with some of the musicians. I don't know if it was with the composer himself, but I remember seeing someone state that with the Persona 5 soundtrack, their idea was to do one long song, like as if the entire soundtrack oh was God. one long song or like one long like jam session. And you can kind of hear that, especially in moments like there's a really cool song that's just called Talk, that it's this, it's like the guitar hook that plays when you have cornered the enemy and they're like trying to compromise and you're really talking to them. And it just sounds like what would play out last surprise on the album, Mm. you know? It's like what leads into the next song. So cool. But I think you're right. I mean, I think like all of them, you know, Persona 5 is is a very uh, jazz and rock centric soundtrack. Three is all about hip hop and a little bit of jazz as well. Um, And four is like just straight J-pop the whole time, which is great. Yeah. See, I, I think in this category of celebrating the game, Persona 5 was also like a very clear choice for me. Yeah, yeah, I very, I very much get that. Where have you been? Been searching all along. Confacing twilight on and on. Without the clue. Without a sign. Okay, let me add one to your category then. Yeah, sure. Uh, which I'm sure is on your list somewhere, but I'm going to bring it up and put it in this category. Oh, uh, I like that. We can we can have conversations about that, yeah. Uh, Katamari Damacy, I think, is like so obviously in this category. Um, and, and I actually did a lot of research on like the making of the scores for a lot of these games um, just because I, d- I didn't really have a very good understanding, um, which is a thing I'll get into. But um, e- even as somebody who has made music for video games, like I don't I didn't really know a lot of like what actually goes into it and in, like big budget titles like a Persona 5, for example, um, right. or Katamari Damacy, um, which I thought was really fascinating in this instance, because uh, this is, you know, by various artists uh, in a lot of instances, but it's kind yeah. of arranged by a, a group of people. Specifically, um, one of the composers, uh, Yumiaki, said uh, that he spent a lot of time just looking for like J-pop singers who were like well known in Japan, but like hadn't really had a hit in a while. It was just like, People whose names you would recognize, but like, I don't know if it was like a cost thing or if it was just like, we know that they can do great stuff. So like, let's give them some great stuff to work with, even though they haven't yeah. like been in the spotlight for a while, which I think is like a really fascinating and just kind of like weird choice, which just kind of goes to highlight, I think, my favorite thing about reading up about the soundtrack for this game's creation, which is that they were given no direction at all. <laughs> the director of the game gave them absolutely nothing was like just make a cool soundtrack for the things that you're seeing on the screen and i'm gonna say yes to literally anything you give me like i want you to just like have complete creative control over what you're doing here and don't worry about it at all like don't ask me for permission to do anything just do what you think is best and this game this game's score feels like that like it it complements the game in a way that I think you really only can if like a bunch of people who are at the top of their game are given complete freedom to do whatever they want in a totally. way that isn't like horrifying because I find a lot of instances it's horrifying when you're given complete creative control or something like that. You want some constraints, right? To, you know, you want somebody giving you any kind of positive feedback loop. But in this case, they just had none of that. They were just like, well, just run with it. Um, and ended up making what I think is like one of the coolest video game soundtracks ever. Um, Absolutely. Specifically talking about this category of like it celebrates the game. It does that because it was literally like 
built from the ground up to do that with no compromises whatsoever. And I think that's really special. And in a lot of the reading I've done about the making of video game soundtracks, this is like a wholly unique way of doing it. Wait until, hey, dear listener, I'm going to talk about Super Mario Galaxy later. The exact opposite situation. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, uh, so you'll be happy to know that Katamari Damacy is not only on my list overall, but it is in this category. And it had to be. Fuck yeah. Yeah, it has to be. The the theme song uh, Katamari on the Rocks alone is like, you know, and I, I think the way you describe the making of this game's soundtrack, it feels like a concert. You know, it feels like yeah. they just put together like here are a bunch of bands we really like and the game's sort of bizarre arcadey structure kind of like Little Prince where you're just sort of jumping from planet to planet to place to place. Mm-hmm. Each song kind of defines the setting so strongly when you feel like I mean, literally after the end of every level, considering or uh if your Katamari is big enough or if you hit the goal, otherwise the king shoots you with lasers. That's a whole other story. <laughs> but if you meet the goal, it is a celebration. It, it, it's just yeah. like, hell yeah, you did it. And the music reinforces like a really positive energy in an otherwise extremely bizarre and potentially nightmarish game. You know, it's like there are people screaming and buildings getting rolled up in the Katamari. And then you'll hear like... love that song uh lonely rolling star yeah you hear this like actually maybe uh, aj cut me saying just play a little bit of that song it's beautiful um but yeah it's just so joyful it's so good and, and like you said it is so varied it's just that whole game is like unrepressed creativity in yeah. all areas which and, is and, it, and it shouldn't work like literally at all like as you were <laughs> just alluding to i mean the the game's design like remove the sound from it is just like maximalist design like to, to it's like <laughs> like most webster's dictionary definition you know it is maximalism and and to have a soundtrack that complements that at all and not only complements it, but maybe even tones down what's happening visually in a way that allows your brain to like parse what's going on. I think the score does a lot more to this game than I think people give it credit for. As much as people love the score, I don't think they realize how important it is to making any of this like even remotely fathomable as a person and a player holding a controller in their hands. It's like the glue almost. It yeah. really holds the whole thing together. And yeah, I, I completely agree. I didn't know I didn't know the story behind making the soundtrack, but that's amazing. I just want to highlight the the one song that I've loved ever since I was a kid. Uh, Please. Because I, I, I first read about this game in like a PlayStation magazine that my friend had uh, like forever ago. Uh, and, and of all my friends, I was like the one who really wanted to get a Katamari Damacy when it came to the West. Uh, and, and I picked it up immediately. It was like I had to have this game. Um, yeah. And, and the song that I spent all of my time in like because the, they had like a sound player um, in the game. The, the one song that I always played was called The Moon and the Prince. Oh, it's a great one. Yeah, I love, I that, love song. that song. And it's like the one that I still listen to constantly. I love that song so much. I really love uh, Que Sera Sera as well. Yeah. Like, I uh, know you love me. I want to <laughs> hold you up. Yeah, whatever. Um, 
my my gateway into Katamari was it was like a demo. I had like one of those PlayStation discs that just had games on it. Oh yeah, and it was like here's what Namco's up to. <laughs> and one of them was We Love Katamari. <laughs> it was We Love Katamari. It wasn't even Katamari Damacy. It was the yeah. sequel. And I was at first I was terrified. I was like, what is this? Because mm. it opens with you kind of ascending reality. And the king is like, hello, prince. And I was like, I, I'm like 11 and I don't know what's happening. <laughs> um, but then as soon as it started and as soon as I heard the music, I was like, it, it was like a 180, like a light switch went off. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, I bought the game and I now I have the soundtrack on vinyl. Huge shout out to the vinyl because when you open the disc fold is like uh, Adam and God, that painting, but it's the prince and the king. It's so funny. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, It's really great. Yeah. Hey, that game's on the Nintendo Switch. Katamari Damacy re-roll. You can go pick it up. Yeah, and it's it's a pretty good port too. I mean, it's it's just wherever you can get it, get that game. It's a classic yeah. eternally. Uh, hit me with another one of yours. Okay, I'm really glad we had the same one in the same category. I I also I appreciate you tasking yourself with trying to figure out in which categories yours fall. It's a lot of fun to to experience. Yeah, I do think I have another one for this category, but uh, cool. j- just just keep going. Um, my next one here is Splatoon Two. Whoa, another, okay, yeah. another game kind of similar to Katamari in that it was composed by a group of people um, and also kind of similar to fighting games. It's sort of one of those games you're going to play it a lot via multiplayer and every stage will have like its own vibe. But I think the music so heavily defines the world of Splatoon. I mean, you've got like a very, you know, uh, Shibuya-esque, Times Square-esque hub world where there's like a vh1 show that like announces what's going on in the game yeah and like everything about splatoon which i think we talked about recently after the nintendo direct everything about that game is like just sort of like giving off its coolest energy you know between the fashion and the customization you have of your characters um even the shooting itself is expressive in that you're covering an area with paint like everything about that game is kind of like overcome with like inviting you into this really cool place that's like so chaotic and fun it is as i've said before the like summer energy to the chill of animal crossings fall Mm -hmm. you know it's like hell yeah summer's here let's just get a bunch of paint on us and have a fun time yeah um and the soundtrack is also another really cool blend of genres i mean like You've straight up got ska. I know I joke about ska a lot, but like <laughs> if I ever had to explain the appeal of ska, I can point to Splatoon 2. So like a lot of really upbeat music. Uh, it reminds me a lot too of the uh, Japanese band Melt Banana. The like yeah. kind of really out there prog rock stuff. So you've got like some really cool experimental music, which I think is also great because I feel like Splatoon is also marketed uh, to a younger audience as well. And like introducing kids to like really like... If you can get your kid into Melt Banana as soon as possible, (laughs) they're going to be the coolest kid ever. Yeah. So I think that is all really neat. And I think what's also great is that the Octo expansion, which was the DLC. I was was wondering if you were going to bring this up. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you on this. Yeah. Yeah. The the DLC single player Octo expansion was like a totally different layer to that. It was like very lo-fi, kind of creepy almost. Which kind of, I mean, it was all about the sort of neglected octolings that are in the deep sea where there are like game cubes floating around, which is amazing. Mm. But uh, yeah, th- this game soundtrack is like so, it's like the heartbeat of the world and it's so inviting and it makes you want to get into different kinds of music. You know, it makes you want to blast Jeff Rosenstock and go on a road trip. I love it. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Splatoon 2. Splatoon 2. 
The only thing I'll say is I wish that it didn't always, I love the song it plays when you have like a minute left, but I wish it didn't always play that one. You mm. know, sometimes yeah. I want to hear what the stage's music is. Hey, maybe it's um, Splatoon 3. Who knows? I did write down my favorite tracks in case you're wondering. Undertow, Wet Floor, Muck Warfare, Off the Hook, and Fly Octo Fly. Well, wow, I just feel like I sound like everyone's dad suddenly. The, I said that. Hey, I kids. I loved those names. I think those yeah. are great song names. Hey, have you heard that fly octo fly? It's pretty groovy. If what you was ask the first your dad. one? Say the first one again. Undertow, and then in parentheses, wet floor. Dude, great song name. That's like maybe oh, yeah. one of my favorite all-time song names. <laughs> now. It's a good song. Undertow wet floor? Holy shit. <laughs> Muck Warfare off the hook and Fly Octo Fly. Which These is all the sound like fight. bands I would see at Terminal 5 when I was in high school. Holy yes, shit. Yes, exactly. It just it just makes you feel cool. It's a great soundtrack. Yeah. This is Platoon 2. I have, I think, one more in this category. Okay. Do you want me? Do you want me to go first, and then you, and then you close it yeah, out? Yeah, yeah. I want to hear more from you. Yeah. Let's do yeah. It. Uh, the the other one that I think I would add to this, uh, and this is not the last time you'll be hearing from this artist uh, on my list, at least. But uh, a recent game that I, I think the as time has gone on, the the score has outshone the game itself uh, in a lot of ways because it's so successful at what it's doing. Chipsel's soundtrack for Dicey Dungeons. I think is like a straight up one of the best soundtracks I've heard in a game in a long time. It is, it is wild, especially if you know Chipsel's like backstory as a producer. She's just this like incredible chiptune artist uh, and has been for a very long time. Again, I'm alluding to the fact that I'll be bringing up her work later. Um, but her work in this game specifically is like, what if I did all, all the stuff that I, I know how to do, uh, but added this like 1960s game show flair <laughs> yeah, and yeah. a live saxophone to like actual chiptune synths. And it, and it works on a level that like that's an idea that it must have taken eons to to actually sort out because I've run into ideas like that before where it's like you you think you've nailed something or you think you've touched on an idea that's like so out of the box that like you got you got to try it. And when it happens, it's going to click and it's going to be perfect. It's like, oh, my God, I invented a new sound. I can't believe it. Yeah. But But the reality of doing something like that is that it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of time and effort to actually get those sounds to to become cohesive in any way, shape or form. And the idea of of a of a jazz, I mean, of a saxophone alongside like chiptune synths, like a lot of square waves weirdly does make more sense uh, when you like actually like know how synths are built and stuff and know what waveforms look like. It does make a lot of sense, but still must have taken a lot of work to nail um, it, it reminds me a lot uh, of, of the of the interviews I've seen with Kevin Shields, who is the lead guitarist of My Bloody Valentine and like what it was like to actually come up with the sound of that band um, yeah. and like essentially like not invent that genre, but like define it. And, and, totally. and, you know, the guy has lost his hearing essentially because of the work that he put into like defining that sound. And, and that's the level of success I think that Chipsel has found with what she did on Dicey Dungeons. I think it's just an unbelievable soundtrack 
that I do, I do think celebrates the game and the tone and the, and the, and the, and the lore of the game, but maybe does such a good job that I just find myself listening to the soundtrack and I'm not really inclined to play the game anymore. <laughs> I also have Dice of Dungeons on my list. I do have it in a different category. Maybe that can play us in to the next one once we're done. Fun. But yeah, this soundtrack, because I, I really wanted to make sure I'm like, okay, is this because it's like one of the things I'm listening to more recently? I've also been listening to a lot of different soundtracks more recently, but I agree, man. This soundtrack is really on a completely other level to a lot of stuff, especially chiptune stuff, you know, because like combining, um, there are a couple soundtracks on here that combine, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, real instruments with chiptune, which I don't want to come off shitty by saying that, but you know, like you have a saxophone alongside synths Um, and like that's hard to pull off. And I think you're so right that it, it succeeds at a level that must have taken a lot of trial and error. Um, the song I, I want to call out here is Swing Me Another Six. It's just like unbelievable. That's like one going to be one of my top played songs of this year, I think. Yeah. Uh, and uh. and yeah, just unbelievable soundtrack, uh, Dicey Dungeons. And also a great game, but I, I agree the soundtrack is like just always going to be playing for it's, me. It's, re- it's really good, man. Oh. <laughs> it's it's so good that I have nothing cool to say. I'm like, yeah, just fucking rules. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> it's sick. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be some of these. Like, I don't know. It just fucking owns. Yeah. last game i have in this category and also feel free if you feel like there are games in your list that still fit this category i want to hear about them do you have any before i give my last one i don't think so that that was that was the other one that really popped out to me gotcha Uh, my last one is super mario odyssey uh composed by nato kubo i mean this is pretty on the nose there are like two musical numbers in this game that (laughs) celebrate like mario as a series yeah i was really hard pressed to find which mario games i was gonna single out because like pretty much every like first party nintendo series has like incredible music alongside it Mm -hmm. and this is where i think when choosing which mario soundtracks i wanted to highlight I, i started to really think about what is the relationship this music has with the game you know we talked about mario 3d world recently and how that game is like a series of like quick hit lessons in design just like kind of laser focus on one thing you're in you're out and the music i think has to kind of complement the level design there whereas the level design in odyssey is really about exploring the world there's a there's a range of genre in odyssey's soundtrack that is not present in other mario games that really impressed me yeah i think galaxy set the standard of like having an arranged orchestra for mario games and Odyssey like was like, hold my beer. Let's one up this, you know, and just mm. did so many different genres. You've got um, the horns and the fun, like kind of uh, rhythm of the lake level. You've got some clever remixes of old songs. New Dong City is a standout just by being yeah. like so majestic. And so like that, that level will make you cry and, and make you feel like you probably love Mario as a series more than you maybe do, <laughs> <laughs> but you get so swept up in it. There's like literally a band. I mean, it's, it is as celebratory as you can get. And, and for me, one of my favorite songs in the game, which is like so atypical from any Mario song or any Nintendo song, other than maybe Splatoon, the finale that I, I often bring up when, um, it's just the perfect, like, of course, this is going to happen moment. The whole game, Mario's throwing his hat on enemies and possessing them and using the enemy's ability to progress. 
he kind of needs his enemies to go forward mm -hmm. in that game. And everyone who's important is like purposely wearing a hat around Mario <laughs> to prevent being possessed, which is a whole other conversation. Um, by the very, very end, you defeat Bowser. He's left hatless and you need to get out and you need to save Peach. Um, and you have to take over Bowser to do that. You need Bowser to save the day. Yeah. And the song that plays is like a Letters to Cleo-esque <laughs> pop rock number that is so fun and so silly and so just like, it totally caught me off guard in a good way that I was like so into that finale. And it, it's structured in a way where it's just like very upbeat pop rock song. And then the hook is the Bowser theme song, which I thought was just so clever and such a fun way to like take these established melodies from old games and just throw them in when you least expect it. I thought it was really cool. Another cool thing about this song, uh, which is Break Free, Lead the Way, they localized it in a way that in English, the lyrics that are sung are from Peach's perspective. And in Japanese, it's from Mario's and they're actually singing a duet. Um, so like Whoa. the lyrics are from like uh, in English, uh, <laughs> there's a lot where it's like kick off the wall, a miracle in three dimensions. Like it's it should be so cringy, <laughs> but it just works so well for me. And I, I love that song. I actually do prefer it in Japanese. I'll say I really like the singer's voice. She's got like a really cool edge to her voice. Yeah. But yeah, I I really think that this soundtrack like kind of helps separate Odyssey in, in a lot of ways. Uh, not to say that it's the best, but I just think that it is really like proud of itself and proud of the series and is like adding almost a heightened importance to these characters that mean nothing, basically. You know, like, I mean, not to discredit Mars Legacy, but like I've never cared about Bowser's role in the story until like yeah. the game was like, you know what, like... <laughs> It's not that Mario or Peach need Bowser as a, as a figure in their life, but the game needs Bowser. And we're going to celebrate all the set pieces here to this, like, Veruca Salt 90s rock song. So good. I, I I love the variety. I love the majesty. The pageantry is the word I keep coming back to. Incredible soundtrack. Mario Odyssey. Um, I I can't add anything to that. I do. I, I am <laughs> I am wondering though. Do, do you have Galaxy on your on your list at all? I don't actually. I do have one more Mario game, but I don't have Galaxy. If you if you don't have Galaxy, then maybe now is a good time to bring it up because I, sure. I was I was wondering if it would fit into this category. But also, I think a, a lot of the stuff that you're touching on, I think Galaxy nailed also um, yeah totally and and one of the things that uh, makes galaxy stand out and, and the thing that everybody kind of knows about it is that it's like the first orchestrated soundtrack that, right. that they did for a mario game it's the tokyo symphony orchestra like that made that made that thing happen um but i went in and i, I was reading about the development of, of the super mario galaxy score do you know anything about this? Not at all. No, tell me. It's a fucking nightmare. It was a fucking oh, nightmare no. to make this score. It's amazing that it worked at the end. So, so the uh, the composer of, of the soundtrack uh, is by a person named uh, Mihito Yokoda, and there's a person named Koji Kondo who who is like the the sound supervisor and director for like Mario, like as yeah, a whole. Yeah, and Zelda too. He yes. does a lot of work. Like just yeah, yeah you know, big Nintendo figure essentially. Yeah. Um, but uh, Yokoda was the person who was like making the soundtrack, who was like tasked to make the soundtrack. Koji Kondo was like. Doing 
doing all the other stuff was like, what sounds come out of the Wiimote? You know, like that was like, <laughs> that was essentially, yeah, his vibe. But he also like was the person who was overseeing everything and like was technically Yokota's boss. Like that was just to like, I, I guess, set the stage for what happens here. So essentially the, the first direction that Yokota is given is like, you've heard Mario soundtracks before. They have like a lot of like marimba. There's like some kind of like Latin American inspired uh, instrumentation happening in there and like yeah. just play with that and and starts doing it and makes uh, an entire score 28 tracks of a soundtrack for super mario galaxy that is just inspired by like previous stuff that you've heard in other mario games and hands it into koji kondo who who just says this is not good to him just oh straight up and he's like how am i supposed to respond to this like i li- i just like busted my ass making like a whole ass score for yeah. this game and was just like told no uh, and then like had to go and take some time and then go back and be like, please, like hat in hand, like, please just tell me like what's wrong with this. <laughs> I can't believe this. I'm going to I'm going to quote uh, an article about this quote. When asked why his music was rejected, Kondo responded, if somewhere in your mind you have an image that Mario is cute, please get rid of it. Incensed <laughs> by the rejection, Yakota almost resigned from the job. But Kondo implied that Mario's character was, quote, cool and instructed him to try again from the beginning i can't brendan can i share something personal (laughs) that is literally that exact story in some ways okay sure when i was two years old i hated when anyone ever called me cute i was furious and i always replied i'm not cute I'm cool. And <laughs> oh my like, God, you're Mario. Exactly <laughs> what is said there. That is, that is a phrase that my parents and my older sister still use against me. They're like, no, 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 I'm not cute. I'm cool. Oh my God. And I just remember like some family friend went up to me two years old. I'm like basically a baby that can walk. And she's like, oh, he's so cute. And I, and then I corrected her and she was like, oh, okay. He's so cool. <laughs> I can't believe that was used against the composer. And that was literally me at two years old. Oh, my God. I can't believe wow. you're, you're Mario. That really does explain a lot. <laughs> wow. Ooh. I ask AJ every episode, I'm like, do I sound cute in this recording? Because I don't. Get that out of your mind right now. <laughs> I cool. sound cool. Yeah. So essentially, Yakota then came back and was like, I, I well, for, first he just kind of bailed and was like, I'm going to quit because this sucks. Yeah, um, rightfully so. Yeah. And, then, and then eventually came back and was like, I'm, I'm going to finish this out and, and created three versions of a soundtrack. One of them was orchestral. One of them was like a, a like pop music adjacent. Um, and the other one was kind of like a blend of the two, which I'm very interested in hearing, but like doesn't exist. Yeah. And and when presented to Miyamoto, he ended up picking the uh, the, the orchestral stuff. But it is worth noting that Miyamoto also thought that it, it was just like temp music that they had like pulled from like a music library and that it wasn't actually going to be the soundtrack. And it was like, oh I like this God. vibe. You should make something like this. And he was like, no, 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 I did. I did make this. this. Is it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just like oh an, another more subtle nightmare. Dunk. Um, yeah, but uh, anyway, I, I think that for all of that backstory, I think the Super Mario Galaxy soundtrack, like it, it was the first time in a long time, and maybe it was because I, I hadn't had it, like a, a, a Nintendo console. Uh, ever in my life until the Wii, but the soundtrack was the thing that made me a fan of Mario in a real way. Um, oh yeah, I had played, I had played all of the Mario games like up through this one, whether like through emulators or on like my Game Boy and Game Boy Advance. 
um, or like at friends' houses. I played Super Mario 64 and Sunshine, but but Galaxy was the one that like really hooked me. And a lot of it weirdly was, I don't know how I was so tapped into it at that age and at that time, but a lot of it was because I knew it was the first orchestral soundtrack and like that was a cool big deal. Um, and I was so, I mean, I, I've been a musically inclined person for pretty much my whole life. Um, but that was the thing that drew me to wanting to play Mario Galaxy. And that's what made me a fan of Mario in like a real way. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it, it's an incredible soundtrack. And I think when we talked about 3D All-Stars, last fall or last summer even the the takeaway from playing 64 and sunshine and galaxy all have great soundtracks but the galaxies comes together in a way that i think the others two are different yeah uh you know the 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 design of galaxy where like you're running through space also kind of a little prince vibe it matches so well with like the sweeping orchestra Mm -hmm. whereas like Sunshine, the music works perfectly for the vibe of that game. And 64, maybe more on that later, uh, also <laughs> matches that game's vibe very well. But I think like when you're talking about celebration, Galaxy for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I think it's a very special soundtrack. And honestly, like when, when I'm looking at the, at the scope of soundtracks and I think of like, you know, transmedia, not just video games, but when I think of like uh, film scores, you know, the, the ones that are are the most memorable are the ones that like, you know, everybody touches on all the time or like hums constantly, you know, like everybody, as soon as they touch a piano for the first time, plays the Jaws theme, you know, on the lowest <laughs> notes they can possibly find on the piano, stuff like that. You don't um, play clocks? I, I play clock. Yeah, that, I play clocks. <laughs> Um, I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't bring this up during any of our mention of Clocks or Coldplay. Clocks is actually my least favorite Coldplay song. It's as a fan of Coldplay, it's a song I can't stand. Right, I get that. Whenever you're a fan of a band, no no fan is ever like, yeah, I love the hit. <laughs> like if yeah. I went into a group of Modest Mouse fans and I was like, you know what? It's float on or nothing. If you ask me, they would beat me up. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, yeah. um, I do I do think that the Super Mario Galaxy soundtrack has like kind of hits in that way like i think totally there there are there are uh motifs in some of those songs that if you played them people would immediately like be like oh yeah that's super mario galaxy um and i think that that's just the testament of a good score um you know there there are a lot of other ones that we're going to talk about i think during the course of this episode that are like you know more ambient or more just like kind of um you know a watercolor brush on the background of the thing that you're doing but Mario Galaxy's score like really wants you to know it's there and and does a wonderful job of like being as charismatic as Mario himself, the cool guy on space. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, and again, I think these categories will bleed into each other, but I can't think of a better game to end this category with than Odyssey and 3D, excuse me, Odyssey and Galaxy. Yes. Um, I almost said 3D World, which was also up for consideration. That game's got an incredible soundtrack. Of all the things I like about that game, the soundtrack is not one of them. <laughs> I, I think oh, it's really? Yeah, I think it's good. It's just like it's it's not it's not the thing that I think about when I when I play that game. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's why I didn't choose it over the others. But it's still good. Like all the Mario games have good music. Yeah. Okay. True. You want to take a quick break? <laughs> hey, AJ, play us out, and we'll be back with more music. Goodbye. <laughs> Brendan, we're back, and like I alluded to earlier, 
uh, Dicey Dungeons was on my list, but in a different category. So if you don't mind, I might lead us into the next category I have here. Mm. It's a little bit smaller. Chiptune soundtracks with with saxophones in it. That's it. And it's literally just Dicey Dungeons. (laughs) 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 You did it. Uh, The next category I have here, I think I have six overall. I don't know. We'll find out together. (laughs) Um, But the next one I have, I named When the Soundtrack Keeps You Going. So for me, this is when music plays a supportive role in a game that might be demanding. Uh, it might be, you know, a rogue like like Dicey Dungeons where you're going to be making a lot of attempts over and over again. And the soundtrack is the thing that's kind of rooting you on unconsciously. Mm. Uh, so, you know, it's something that if the game is like this oppressive Dark Souls S experience, the music is like, you know, the sort of like gentle pat on the back. It's like, give it another shot. It really sounds like we're about to argue our 2018 game of the year all over again, huh? <laughs> yep. Celeste is on uh, there and I would absolutely, I'm just going to put Hollow Knight in there also. <laughs> oh yeah, you should. Uh, and and you're absolutely right. So Dicey Dungeons was here and Celeste, composed by Lena Rain, is absolutely on here. Yeah. Um, what a great score. Just such an incredible soundtrack. Also Chiptune and also just like so... I mean, Lena Rain does incredible work. I think she just did the Sackboy game that came out. And like, oh, cool. every review I've read has been like, the soundtrack is like so incredible. Like every, everything she composes is great. And what I really love about Celeste, amongst everything else I've said about that game, which is a lot of positive stuff. We mentioned recently the idea of like authorship in games. I think with a game like Celeste, when you have like a really talented small team, you see the creative voices on display kind of like you would hear them in a trio. Like I've always loved listening to trios because like, Mm. You can really feel everything kind of harmonizing. And with Celeste, you've got like this incredible game design and writing and music and art. Like it all kind of comes together beautifully, but it all feels like all these really talented individuals like shooting their shot, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. And the soundtrack in Celeste, I mean, you're going to die thousands of times in that game. But the the first track of the first level, First Steps, is like... One of my favorite like level one songs and that 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 song is so important because the game starts off pretty hard already. So like there's a chance you might pick it up and bounce in level one because it's so difficult. But the music of that stage is like so whimsical and positive and so like exciting that you kind of just want to keep going for the song alone Mm. because that's how i felt i felt like i'm like oh my god okay i gotta really think about when i dash do i go for that strawberry i don't know i keep dying but like i was so because of everything because of the art and everything but the music kept me going and then fast forward a year when i'm doing the (laughs) b-side on stream for the haunted hotel yeah and like a ghost is chasing me it's just so exciting and like the rhythm of it is so captivating that like it's just a flurry of death and and that game's ability to let you start over right away is so important and it's so aided by the music that tenacity is so encouraged by that game soundtrack which can get like creepy at some points like it's not always positive like first steps but it's always like invigorating and it's always the thing that like makes sticking around in one part of one level for hours as you die over and over again a positive experience. Um, so I I mean, I love the soundtrack just like on its own, listening to it on you know Spotify or whatever, but its relationship to the game I think is crucial. It is the thing that is rooting for you above all else. Also to see Madeline's story, I mean, that's another reason why I was so compelled to beat that game, but I'm doing the B-sides now. The story is basically over. I know there's like <laughs> right. a secret final chapter that I've been meaning to get to for forever, but the B-sides are just for your own, you know, 
bragging rights, basically. Um, and and brilliantly, there are remixes um, on the B-sides that are like also really cool. Just an incredible score from start to finish. I, I Hey, you know I love Celeste, and here's another reason that I love it. Yeah, that soundtrack is really, really good. Even though I have never finished that game, I'm like right at the end. I should really just do it. But even though I've never finished the game, uh, I do listen to the soundtrack a lot. It's really good. Yeah. Big fan. Tell me about this game, Hollow Knight. Uh, Hollow Knight's a, a wonderful video game that I played on the Nintendo Switch, and recently again on my Xbox Series S via That's Game right. Pass. You can watch the whole playthrough on our YouTube channel. Still can't believe I did that. That was wild. That was a wild. Thing that was amazing. Do. Yeah, um, you like breeze through it. Yeah, weird. Uh, anyway, uh, that <laughs> that almost like copy paste a lot of the stuff you just said about Celeste and put it in in Hollow Knight but weirdly enough like the the score is just like sadder it's just like a sadder more ambient (laughs) score that kind of achieves the same thing um but but I think more specifically the thing that I want to copy paste from your discussion um or or from your uh your your pitch there for Celeste is like everyone is just like a a creative force firing on all cylinders you know it's it's a small team uh Team Cherry is two people they outsourced like I think a little bit of the art to uh, a third and fourth person and then the score was all done by one person christopher larkin um who uh, got in one man nailed it uh great so like it, it kind of does double duty i think which i think is really important um whereas i i agree celeste kind of has this kind of um like constant uh almost like pulsating like a pole uh towards yes. the player to kind of like get them from point a to point b a hollow knight soundtrack kind of has to do a couple things simultaneously and i think it, it does a really good job of all of them and 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 first and foremost what it needs to do is is build a world right it's like it is kind of create the the sound design and the environment that will allow you to believe that the place a hollow nest can actually exist and and i think it does a really wonderful job of that um in, in the moments when it needs to be quiet it's quiet in the moments when it needs to be loud and brash and and, and terrifying it can be that as well but the the point where it really almost becomes one-to-one with celeste or in the boss fights which all of the boss fights just have like wildly intricate and 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 fascinating scores um, oh yeah the, the one that really comes to mind uh just while i'm thinking about it is the collector uh just the fighting the collector who is like easily the most horrifying boss fight in the whole game he, he's this like weird shadow figure who uh, hides up in this tall tower and takes all of the bugs in Hollow Nest and like shoves them in, in glass jars and uh, ends up using them as weapons against you, just like throws these glass jars that even like really wants to capture you, like really wants to capture you. Scary boss. And, and the score yeah. that goes along with that is really fun uh, and really aids that that just like that fear. I think it's wonderful. Uh, it has like it has like early two thousands uh, like claymation like scary vibes to it, uh, <laughs> and, and and the soundtrack really aids that. I, I Hollow Knight's score contains multitudes, um, and and I have it on vinyl, and it's it's behind me right now. I don't maybe Stephen can see it. It's dark behind me, but uh, it's it's wonderful. I listen to it a lot. I think it's really great. I think it's also a good point in terms of this category of of music that keeps you going and that it doesn't have to be inherently positive. You know, I think the journey of Hollow Knight 
is so isolated that the company you have really is the music and it's going to match the mood like you said brilliantly it's going to match the excitement of the battles or just the like sadness of being alone but it is there and it is like aiding your time there and and kind of making the world fully realized in a way that it wouldn't be without it yeah the thing about the boss music in hollow knight is that while it can also ratchet up the tension in in those boss fights it also serves as your like celebratory kind of like fuck you when you win you know the the moment when the moment when you win is when you notice the soundtrack the most i think because when it like fades out and like a little like success jingle plays it's like hell yeah that song was awesome i'm so glad that that was playing while i was fighting but for the entire (laughs) time before that you were tuning it out not realizing that it was impacting the way you were playing which i think is very interesting One of the things I didn't mention about the Super Mario Galaxy soundtrack, which I, I thought was really fascinating, and I, I, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, and I don't know if it's actually true or, or not, but one of the reasons they were almost against going with an orchestrated soundtrack originally was that they thought that using live instruments would uh, subconsciously cause the player to try and play the game in tempo with whatever song was playing. Oh, um, interesting. And they, and they almost turned down the orchestrated soundtrack because of that, which I, I personally think is nonsense because I think having like a kind of like driving synth uh, would probably do that way more, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I just thought that was an interesting bit and I just want to bring it up. Yeah, I mean, it, I never knew there was so much resistance to what is like one of the most iconic soundtracks in that unbelievable in Mario history. Yeah, that's really wild. I'm glad he stuck with it for sure. So, uh, moving on, if you don't mind, please. Um, I've got two more games in this category, shorter because I see dungeons we already covered. One I know for a fact will be on your list, and one I think is a 50 50 shot under the 50 50 one first. Cool, I think we'll be on the same level for the last one. Um, the 5051 is FTL faster than light composed by Ben Prunty. So close to being on my list and didn't make it. Yeah. I figured it was 50, 50, um, FTL also roguelike. I mean, I think this is sort of my roguelike category now that I'm looking at it. Kind (laughs) of FTL is a game where you are navigating space and all the dialogue you're getting about the situation. It's very tabletopy and that like you are, uh, controlling a few characters in a spaceship, jumping from point to point, kind of like a point on the map in Slay the Spire or a point on the map in Dicey Dungeons. And every time you go to a new point, there's like a narrated text box that says like, oop, there's a supernova or like, whoops, this is the snail part of the galaxy that can read your mind. Um, and it's a pretty brutal game. Like the game kind of yeah. warns you straight up, like play the tutorial. I know all games have it, but you really got to do it for this one. And two, just know that you're not going to win ever. Like they, they, the game kind of tells you that directly. Yeah. But the soundtrack, it, it, it's also worth noting the game's art style is very minimalist. It's very like 90s computer game, you know, almost like maybe like late 80s. It's very, it's, I think it's cool. It would be, it would be the best game on addictinggames.com. <laughs> That's how I describe the art style. Perfect. Yeah, because Into the Breach is more like 90s StarCraft energy. Yeah. But FTL is, like you said, it's even more minimalist. Um, so really, like, the game is is kind of like you're just up against, like, harsh probability. But what aids the experience so much and what keeps you playing, kept me playing, is the music. 
and it, and it goes in in broad there's a broad spectrum of vibe here because you have on one hand just like the majesty of space exploration like the music that tends to play when you're just like checking your ship and you're in a peaceful part of the galaxy and you're just like looking at what you can upgrade it's so like cool and you feel so like at ease and so calm and then there's music that plays one of my favorite tracks that i wrote down is uh cosmos battle um there are there are variants on each song for battling and for exploring so you always know when a battle is going to start because it starts to slightly change suddenly Mm -hmm. yeah and the cosmos battle song is like one of the more upbeat battle songs a lot a lot of them feel like oh you're gonna lose this song feels like i'm gonna lose but the cosmos one it's it's upbeat in a way that makes you feel like you have a little bit of hope so this is an interesting pick because the category is what keeps you going and a lot of these songs are scary or unnerving but they are also like your biggest clue into what is happening in this uncharted universe Mm. they are the thing that is like the most appealing for the player to experience when you go back and back and back to this game um, you know, you might love it for the the tabletop vibe. You might love it for just like the role playing element of like naming your space crew and 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 the roguelike nature of it and losing a ship and getting a new one. But the music is like really what kept me coming back and what kept me at ease in the in the more tense moments or the moments that needed to be tense and they aided that. Uh, one of the things that I think you might find surprising about my list is that I don't have any roguelikes on here at all. Um, oh well, yeah. We, we, I actually, well, with the exception of one, but we'll get to it because it's on your list too. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, and dicey dungeons, I it, guess. Oh yeah, dicey dungeons counts. I forgot about that. Yeah. The the reason being, uh, dicey dungeons is actually a really good example, or, or I guess a good outlier. It's the exception that proves the rule in this case. In most roguelikes, eventually they become my podcast games. Right. Uh, when I get so far into them, and I, I I will just mute the game entirely and just listen to podcasts, which like just really goes to highlight how wonderful dicey dungeons is. That it's become the exact opposite, <laughs> where yeah. I don't play the game anymore. I just listen to this. I muted the game and I listened to the soundtrack. Um, but that's anyway, very fun. yeah, that's uh, a good point. That's yeah. a really good point. Cause like Binding of Isaac is the game that you played like for all podcasts and you don't really listen to the music. I don't listen to music at all. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I yeah. do. I, I know the music very well in and out. I, it's like a piece of me because I've heard it so much, but also um, I, it's not, it's not like the thing that I think of with that game specifically. Um, but FTL was very close to being on my list because I, I really appreciate that soundtrack. When I was going back and revisiting stuff and like, just kind of like going through the history of all the games that I've played um, and the ones that inspired inspired me a lot while I was like trying to make music for video games as well. Um, FTL was a really big one for me. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah. yeah th- this soundtrack is one of the ones that's on Spotify, so it yeah. might be easier to listen to than other ones. Even though FTL isn't fucking available on anything but PC and iPad. Yeah. Get it on a tablet. It's so cool. God, on I want tablet. that game on Switch so bad. I just can't believe it's not on Switch. It's weird because Into the Breach is on Switch. I know. So like, what the hell? Yeah. Also great soundtrack. I think the same composer. Yeah. Okay, here's the last one uh, for games that keep you going, or soundtracks and games that keep you going. Yeah, I'm wondering which one this is. I have, I have a hunch, but hit me. A game you might have heard of called Sayonara Wild Hearts. Yeah, if you if you weren't going to have this one in this category, <laughs> I was going to add it to this category, yes. Yeah, uh, Daniel Olsen and Jonathan Eng. I mean, 
I think like you could probably have this soundtrack in every category I have, but I feel like because it's it's if it has to be defined as one thing, it is a rail shooter or it is like an interactive music video. But like you are progressing through it for the music. The music is the end goal. You're kind of going through a video and when you reach an obstacle, it will kind of constantly loop the same part of the song. And talk about an upbeat soundtrack. This is like one of my favorite soundtracks to listen to if I just need to feel happy happy or if I need to like I either need a pick me up or I want to celebrate something it's very emotional it's not all fluffy but like it's just so engaging and it's so exciting to experience yeah I <laughs> this is this is one of those soundtracks that and I, I want to be very clear that I'm not saying that one thing is above the other but it's one sure. of, it's one of those game soundtracks that um has kind of like grown wings and flown out of being a video game soundtrack to me and has just become like one of my favorite albums just like in yeah. general like it's, it's yes. I, th- I think it's an incredible pop album you know regardless of of its origin I think just like by itself it's it's a great piece of art it's a great work which which is like stellar because i i can't really say that about a lot of game soundtracks as much as you know i i think of a lot of them very highly and i'm talking about a lot of them that i think of very highly not a lot of them stand fully apart from their from their game of origin uh in, in a way that makes me think like you could just hand this to anyone on the street and be like here's a really good album and they'd be like oh fuck yeah it is <laughs> and, and i i think that i the the best way i could illustrate that is by the the literal first moment of the game when when the narrator just kind of like uh utters a couple lines that like set the stage um, and then it launches into the title screen. And and I thought that the title screen, I, I got Apple Arcade like two days before it went live for some reason. I'm not really sure why. And the first thing I did was I downloaded Sayonara Wild Hearts because I was just so fascinated by the trailers for it. And and I remember being in the office and, and hearing that uh, opening title screen for the first time and immediately just like running around my office showing it to people because I was that moment when it when it fades out of the narration and into the title screen music. It, AJ, uh, can you play some of that? Just here. When it when it hits, when that beat hits for the first time, it feels like and I've said this a lot in a lot of our conversations about the game. It feels like a game sent from the future in that moment. Yeah, like it, feel, it feels like a game that is like otherworldly, like it shouldn't exist. It wasn't made by people. It's made by a robot <laughs> that knows people better than we do. And like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think it's it's magic in a way that like you really as if you're a person who makes art, like you aspire to have something work that well. And the fact that it not only works that well on the title screen, but like 18 more times throughout the course of the video game, anytime Claire de Lune plays like it, it'll it'll destroy you, man. I love the Sinar Wild Heart soundtrack. I agree, man. I mean, I think in all ways, this game is about, and this sounds corny, but it really is a game that is about trusting your feelings. And yeah. literally, you win by trusting your feelings. Like, the I, I, there was a review I read that was like, the person writing the review was struggling to progress. And the minute they stopped kind of thinking critically yeah. and just went with the music, they were doing way better. I mean, a clear standout is the parallel universes level where they're kind of snapping and like, mm-hmm. you know, they're literally changing the reality of the level you're in but like you realize if you just kind of sway left to right to the beat 
you're like magically dodging all this busyness. You yeah. Know? And I think like that's kind of what you want to do emotionally when you listen to an album like this. You want to tune everything out and just feel it. And and the game is so built around that instinct that like there's no we keep ending, I think, with like the crystallization of what I wanted these categories to represent. Um, and not that it has to do one thing, but I think like this is a game that that encourages you to keep going both in playing the game and just like being a kind person too. you know, abstractly. Absolutely. Yeah. There was, yeah. there was a period of time for a while where I would bring my Nintendo switch to people and I would sit them down and I would make them play it all, <laughs> like the entire thing. Um, both, both of our, our mutual friends, Will and Callie, uh, shout out if you're out there listening. I did this with both of them. I made them sit down. Uh, in, in one instant, you know, Callie, I, I made sit down and she just played the whole game back to front. It was like it, like a long night. We had like just like they just hosted a party and stuff. And like we were the last people awake. And I was like, you should check this out before you go to sleep. And it was great. Yeah. It was a really fun time. And then uh, our, our friend Will, we were about to go to a club and, and I was like, you should check this out before we go to the club. And he played the, we actually couldn't leave for a while because he played the whole <laughs> game in one sitting. Cause you can't put it down. Once you start playing that game, the, the soundtrack is literally, I mean, to, to use the title of, of the category that you invented, um, like the, the, the soundtrack is the reason that you play the game. Like yeah. it, it is the thing that keeps you going. It's the thing it's, it literally puts a hook in you and then pulls you along. Um, it's it's incredible and i listen to it literally constantly and i i think like just to cap this off at least on my end the best thing that i can say about this game soundtrack specifically is that uh it came out the same year as a carly ray jepsen pop album and this was my favorite pop album of the year was the sign of wild heart soundtrack um man real incredible Do you have any other soundtracks in here that you would want to add to this category? Because that was all I had. I do not. Okay, cool. I think you're going to like this next one. I think this might be, this might end up being the most plentiful for both of us. I have a feeling. Okay, cool. Um, The next category I have is when the soundtrack directs the game. So for me, this is like, uh, and again, this this can apply to like pretty much all of them. But to me, this is when the soundtrack is taking a leading role in like, uh, filling vacancies of like what is the scene supposed to feel like? It's directing the scene. It says it in the title. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hope that, I hope that kind of separates from the other two. Interesting. Yeah, hit, hit me with uh, at least one or two of your picks. Uh, I, I want to see what you got in here. I, I think you'll understand where I'm coming from when I when I share what I picked here. So uh, let's just get right into it. The first one I have for when the soundtrack directs the game is Final Fantasy VII. Uh, composed mm. by Nobu Uematsu, and I, I, I think I kind of don't need to say anything else, but I will. Um, <laughs> FF7 is a game that means a lot to me, obviously, and I think the soundtrack, I mean, like, this is another series where like almost every Final Fantasy has an incredible soundtrack, and a lot of them are composed by Nobu Uematsu, but where 7 stands out for me is that it is telling a, a much stranger and more ambitious story than a lot of the ones that came before. I really like the story of earlier Final Fantasies, and I, I may bring them up in a bit, too. <laughs> um, but I think Seven is, I think, trying to tell, tell a story that the technology is not ready to tell directly yet. We've talked a lot about the relationship between the original Final Fantasy VII and the remake, 
and how you've said this beautifully many times, the remake is filling in the gaps that your brain did when you were playing it. Yeah. FF7 is a game that is not voice acted. Not that it needs to be. I don't think a game needs to be, but it's not voice acted. It's just text. The The character models are limited in their form of expression. And everything is kind of like, it's a overstuffed game in a lot of ways. Like it's it's reaching a little bit beyond it's capable of in a physical way. But what guides the entire experience is the music. Like even if the localization is off and the characters are Playmobil models and uh, you know, it's not looking like the scene wanted to look, the music is doing that part for you. You Mm. know exactly what is going on between Tifa and Cloud and their childhood flashback when you hear the song that's playing. It's sad, it's nostalgic, it it is doing the part of the director in that scene. Um, there's like something unsaid about the game's story that is being told directly through the music and and just the range of it both emotionally and in genre of music i think is like unmatched by any other final fantasy i mean you know you've got the iconic uh one-winged angel which has kind of been like memeified at this point but (laughs) you know hearing that song for the first time that song feels like it's in a different game you know when you realize you're finally fighting sephiroth and it it is a moment that is unlike any other moment and you hear the choir like you've never heard a human voice in this game before and suddenly you (laughs) hear people chanting sephiroth it's like shocking and it's scary but that that song also allows itself like there are moments where it picks up and it's like that song is predicting that there are moments of the battle that are going to go well for you as well so like Mm -hmm. it is really anticipating how that whole thing is going to play out and just like matching the energy in despite the fact that other parts of the game maybe can't communicate those emotions yet yeah, I, I definitely don't have as much of a, a of like an emotional attachment to the score sure. as you do, having not grown up playing it. But I can <laughs> say that I was really, really floored by what I heard from the remake. Um, yeah. While going back and playing the original on, on the Nintendo Switch, I definitely did not have like a, oh, yeah, this is this is like it. This is the score. Um, but I think I think the reinterpretations of a lot of that score in, in the remake really did kind of open my eyes and my ears dear listener uh-huh. uh specifically to 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 why i think people had such an attachment to it and and like you said one winged angel even in the original version of the game is like that still fucking rips like yeah <laughs> yeah unbelievable it, it's the reason people like sephiroth like that song is cooler than anything he says in the game <laughs> <laughs> So do you have any you think would fit this category? Should I keep going? I want you to keep going, but I think I do. Okay, cool. This will be a quick one because it's a very similar reason. The next one is actually Final Fantasy VI. I was thinking about like which Final Fantasy games I think. And again, like we just talked about 10 soundtrack. Uh, we, we talked about a lot of them. It is impossible to choose one. But I think six for very similar reasons. I think six is telling, you know, I, I kind of started to chew my words a bit when I said that seven was telling a more ambitious story because six's story is super ambitious and really sad. Uh, as I've said many times, and it's not really a huge spoiler at this point, that game, the, the bad guy wins very early on in that game. And the worlds that you got to meet is transformed in a way that is shocking. Um, and one of the songs that stands out to me 
a lot in that moment, you know, seeing the world map with a different color sunset, land is missing. And the first thing you do in the wake of, of the land of ruin is like, you're on, you're playing as, um, Celeste, I believe. Uh, and you are bringing, you're trying to catch fish that aren't like poisoned by the now poisonous water to your friend who is dying. Uh, and like, that's what you spend the first like 20 minutes doing. Oof. And the music that plays in this moment is called the dark world. And it's just like organ and like a really sad piano melody. It is devastating. It is like the most emotionally draining song. That's so simple in a very cartoony game. Otherwise. And that song is so heavy to me that when you finally hear the theme, I think it's called Searching for Friends, you get your airship back and you're able uh, to look for your party again. And there's like a glimmer of hope, like it really hits hard. Again, in a game where there there aren't any like facial expressions or animations that are even like close to seven, um, you're really having to fill in a lot as the player and participant of that game's story. And the soundtrack yet again is really driving those moments home. So yeah, I mean, also like the more upbeat moments. There's a song called "The Serpent Trench" that's like when you're underwater and like. I love me a good underwater song, okay? I don't know who decided what underwater sounds like, but they all figured it out. And it sounds great. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like nobody this- figured out the gameplay, but everybody figured out the, the sound. <laughs> yes, exactly. So maybe Abzu. Abzu was a good underwater game. Shout out to that- Abzu. Uh, composed by Austin Wintery. Oh, cool. Who might show up on this list. So I hope, uh, I know bringing up another Final Fantasy game probably didn't help you too much in terms of <laughs> what you I'm going to be honest, Steven, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do think I have some ideas for this for this category. But uh, I, I do want you to hit me with a third one. I, I, okay. Is it another Final Fantasy? Uh, no, that I only had two Final Fantasy games here. Oh, uh, wow, so really? It's just, just yeah. seven and six. Interesting. I, I really, I wanted to keep it. That those like there were a few series that would really balloon this list, and that was yeah. one of them. So I was <laughs> like, a, I'm proud of your restraint. Thank you. Um, here's one that I think is probably on both of ours is Breath of the Wild. This is the one I was about to bring up. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So Breath of the Wild, I think, is is the soundtrack. <laughs> wait, wait. And the- Before we even get into it, I think it's worth mentioning. I I looked up the making of this soundtrack, thinking that it was going to be maybe similar to the Mario Galaxy thing. Exact opposite. It was just like we like Studio Ghibli, and that was like the making of the soundtrack. <laughs> Yeah, big Joe Hisaishi influence for sure. Um, (laughs) We've talked about this a lot too. I mean, I've mentioned many times how one of my favorite things about Breath of the Wild soundtrack is the kind of like the empty spaces between melodies. Mm -hmm. Um, The fact that it could just be the wind for like hours and hours and hours and you finally hear like a, a few strokes of the piano. I remember I was watching my roommate at the time playing it right when it came out on the, he was playing on the Wii U. It was like right when it came out. Yeah. And uh, he was playing it and it was silent. And then a few piano keys were hit. And I went, man, I love this music. And he was like, what? It was just like <laughs> a, a piano. You, you love the note E? Okay. Um, 
but I, I think that showcases like how complementary the soundtrack is to the actions you're you're experiencing. Mm-hmm. Another big influence I would say is Shadow of the Colossus, where like so often in the boss fights that just sort of happen on the map. I think a big example, one of my favorite songs is the Malduga fight. Out of nowhere, a giant sandworm pops out of the desert, you know, the, the desert floor. And it's so scary and, and it's so out of nowhere. And this really tense music starts and, and it's not clear how to fight this thing. You know, you try to shoot an arrow at it. It doesn't do anything. You're like, okay, it's moving really fast. I probably can't hit it with my sword. Do I throw something at it? Breaks. You know, you, you will try at least three or four things unless you know what to do, which I actually won't spoil in case you haven't fought Malduga. Uh, you, you may not encounter Malduga even if you finish the game. Uh, highly recommend trying to find Malduga. But anyway, when you do the thing that will give you the the upper hand in the battle, the music shifts like suddenly and it becomes really triumphant, just like it does in in a Shadow of the Colossus, where like when you figured out how to fight a Colossus, the music is more triumphant and it, mm-hmm. it, it's your clue that you did something right. It's kind of like the more stretched out version of just the like the few notes you hear in Zelda when you like unlock a treasure chest. It's like, oh, you did it. That's yeah. your clue. The game does like a looser interpretation of that just throughout the entire soundtrack. And it's so like effective at at making whatever you're doing in a very open game feel like it's the thing you should be doing. Yeah. I, 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 man, it's, it's so hard to talk about (laughs) this soundtrack because it's, I think, I think it's so incredible. I mean, of all the things that this game nails, you know, the soundtrack is right up there with everything else. Um, it, it's really hard to overstate like how important I think this score is going to be in terms of influence on other games going forwards. If I had to guess, I'll, I'll also say that it, it kind of hits that same thing that I was referring to with Super Mario Galaxy, where like there are a couple songs in this score that I like hum the melodies of all the time. Oh, yeah. The Terrytown theme is like I was just about to say the yeah. Terrytown theme I think about fucking constantly. And I, I, I bring up Terrytown all the time on this podcast because I, I can't get enough of it. I think it's like some of my favorite storytelling in a video game. My partner Percy is like literally outside of the room that I'm recording in right now playing Breath of the Wild at this very moment doing the Terrytown quest uh, because I, I was just like, you just need to do it. You just have to do the Terrytown quest. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just like live and breathe Terrytown all the time. And, <laughs> and a good chunk of that is because of how effective the score is in those moments. But outside of that, I think I think you touched on it really, really well that it's all about the silence. It's all about yeah. the moments where the soundtrack isn't playing. And that's that's just as important a part of the score as, as the part where, you know, Tarrytown's melody uh, worms its way into my brain for the next decade of my life. The, the the silence is so important. And and the moments in which they break the silence, as you were referring to with a couple notes of the piano, that's scoring. That's 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 music, you know, yeah. um, ha- having a break that goes on for 15 minutes and then three notes of a piano that is a piece of music um and I, I think that's i think that's really wonderful i think that's really special there there are so many like just brilliant things that happen in the breath of the wild soundtrack and and i i, I can't speak highly enough of it and it really bums me out that there's not like an official like release of it anywhere like the, yeah the fact that like the only versions of this you can find on spotify are like piano renditions and things like that which are really wonderful you should go listen yeah. to them I, I recommend going into Spotify or your you know, your music streaming platform of choice and type 
typing in Breath of the Wild and just like listening to what people have uploaded, uh, like reinterpretations and new renditions of, of, of songs from that soundtrack, because a lot of them are really wonderful. Oh, but yeah, the fact that, that we haven't gotten an official one that like I could like get on vinyl and listen to um, is really a bummer to me because um, I, I think it's so special. And I, th- I think it's one of those ones that's going to like stand the test of time and be like a, a historic achievement in video game scoring. I completely agree. It weirdly is a mirror of our game preservation discussion, but with soundtracks. It's always fucking Nintendo, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a specifically a piano and flute like version of all the Breath of the Wild oh, songs yeah. that's like really good. Maybe I think we're going to make a playlist to accompany this episode and I'll probably throw a few in there from that. Yeah, probably. So Breath of the Wild, I, I think music being the guiding force in that game. I also remember like one last note on it before we move on. Sure. A lot of people, when the game first came out, I remember seeing this very common suggestion of like, play the game without any display. Like turn off the Sheikah temple nearby, just get the scenery and follow the visual clues and the music. And just let that pull you in. That's how um, I played, yeah. And that's like, it just, it's so effective at doing that, which made me yeah. feel like it, it had the role of, of director there. While we're on the subject, Zelda was another one where it's like, do I just do everyone? Do I do all of them? This is actually the only Zelda game I had on mine. Um, I have one more. Oh, cool. Oh, do, yeah, you, do you have another game you want to bring up first or should I move on to my next no, one? No, keep going. If we're still in the same category, that's fine. Okay. My next game here, also Zelda game, is Ocarina of Time. Uh, this is a Koji Kondo one. Look at that. Oh, is that Ocarina of Time on vinyl? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah. That's beautiful. Wait, check this out. Look at that. <sighs> Holy shit, that's really nice. Yeah. Sorry, dear listener. I'm looking at a really cool image that I wish you could experience with me. But it's a vinyl case that has a little Ocarina on the cover. And the fold is like Hyrule inverse. Yeah. Uh, it's wonderful. That's Sorry. beautiful. No, it's okay. I was really, really debating like what... What other Zelda game? You know, because I, I want I kind of want to keep it to two for whatever reason. At first, I thought it was Wind Waker. I thought it was obviously Wind Waker. And again, amazing soundtrack. But really, it's like Wind Waker soundtrack is like Dragon Roost Isle and everything else. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like if we were just doing tracks, Dragon Roost Isle, incredible. Yeah, um, I agree. Really tastefully uses a lot of music from previous games in like a cool new way, which kind of aids that game's narrative about like being the future of this like designated traditional Mm -hmm. we have to be the reincarnations of these characters but i went with ocarina of time because music plays such an important role in that game music is your tool in that game you know literally i mean you've got to play songs to progress in dungeons and as you play the game you learn different songs and you you know play them on the ocarina with the c buttons on the cool new n64 controller that kind of looks like a clown's face to me um and that's all cool and great but i think what that game does so well in the story is it recognizes the emotional attachment we have to music and how inherently nostalgic it is i mean you mentioned just moments ago you're like why didn't grow up with f7 so like that soundtrack is not going to speak to me in the same way and again guarantee if you just like hadn't played any Zelda and you just listened to all of them on YouTube, you might like the soundtrack, 
but I don't know if it's going to stand above anything else, really. I mean, they're mm. all great, objectively. But like, I think what makes this one stand out to me is the fact that all these songs are attached to characters and very specific moments with them. Yeah. Zelda's Lullaby is going to make you cry every time because you know where that song began and what it represents. And hearing it in a world where you have suddenly grown up and the world you knew is no longer there, but you still have these songs that magically bring back the past, literally. Saria's song, just incredibly iconic, is about leaving your childhood behind in many ways. And also about just the upbeat, chaotic nature of being a kid. You know, you've got these songs that represent your friendship with uh, the King of the Gorons. You know, he, seeing him dance to Saria's song is really fun. It's like, oh, well, this song means something very personal to me, but I'm sharing it with someone else. And they just think it's cool. Like, yeah, that's a cool song. I love that. I want to dance to that. <laughs> it, the whole game is about music in such a really brilliant and emotional way. Um, and I think while music always plays a big role in Zelda games, I think it was the first time that it was like really in the spotlight as, as a tool of progression, you know, as, as a way to progress the plot and remind you of moments without explicitly saying them out loud. Yeah. I think there's a reason that I have the Ocarina of Time soundtrack on vinyl, even though I've never played that game to completion. Yeah. It's really good. <laughs> they did a really good job. <laughs> uh, but I don't, I don't really have anything else I could, I could add to it because uh, I, I don't really know how it plays into the game as much. Although I, I will say, this is the thing I haven't really talked about a lot on the show, but like maybe it's worth bringing up. Um, in in uh, some of the darker moments of my life, one of the things that really got me through it was watching uh, Legend of Zelda speedruns on Twitch. Um, in like the early, early days of Twitch, I was spending a lot of time just like kind of hovering in chat on people's uh, Legend of Zelda speedruns. And I watched a lot of people speedrun Ocarina of Time for a long time. So I'm like weirdly only very well acquainted with like the the 15 minute version of ocarina of time um and, and I, ha I have a very strong attachment to some of the songs that play at the beginning and end when you actually need to focus you know not the stuff that you're skipping through right uh, which, which is really bizarre so I, I do kind of have a nostalgic attachment to ocarina of time which is probably one of the reasons that i felt obligated to have this or to own this but uh yeah i i, I think uh I, I think it's wonderful and and again i mean kind of like Breath of the Wild, I, th I think we don't even know how that is going to influence people really yet. I, I think Ocarina of Time, like, is very clear how that's influenced people um, because, you know, we, we they, they figured it out very early on and uh, other people have just kind of taken that blueprint and run with it. Um, and we're just now seeing games that are inspired mechanically by Breath of the Wild. I'm interested to see what kind of scores are inspired musically by Breath of the yeah. Wild. I actually do think that uh, a game that, that you referenced, um, which is on my list, actually, that that's, is worth bringing up um, in, in relation to all of this stuff is Shadow of the Colossus, which is also extremely effective at both being quiet when it needs to be um, and being bombastic when it needs to be as well. Because uh, those are literally the two modes in Shadow of the Colossus, which I think is really brilliant <laughs> that the whole game just centers around like you just run on a horse for a really long time until you're fighting something that's 18,000 times the size you are. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I I think Shadow of the Colossus, man, that, that was a fucking good game. Ugh, we should talk about that one day. Yeah.
Um, we should definitely talk about that game. Do you have anything more to say about Shadow Colossus? Do you know anything about the creative process behind it or anything? Not really. I just know that it's good. Uh, <laughs> that I that is a game that you and I had at one point had ambitions to do a bonus episode on, which like kind of got put on the back burner. I think that might have been because of Super Mario the Super Mario Collection. Was it that month? It was Thirteen Sentinels, actually. Oh, Thirteen uh, Sentinels. Yeah. Yeah, we had planned to do Shadow of the Colossus in November, and then Thirteen Sentinels came out. We're like, we got to do this real quick. Yeah. True. 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 <laughs> But that so, will definitely happen one day because it means a lot to both of us. Yeah, I desperately want to revisit that game. Um, and, and that's kind of one of the reasons I don't have a lot to say about it is just like I remember that score affecting me in, in like a really profound way at the time that I played it on PS2. Um, and, I, and I haven't really revisited it that much, but I know it's probably worth touching on. So we'll talk about it more when we eventually talk about Shadow of Colossus. Dear listener, if you want a Shadow Colossus bonus episode, let us know. Uh, yeah. And if you want it to be a regular episode, I guess let us know also. <laughs> <laughs> What's cool too is I have that game both on, I have the original on PS2 and I have it on PS4 as well. My PS2 but copy yeah. was stolen from me. Oh, I'm so sorry. I no longer have it. My friend Johnny got me that as a gift and it like meant so much to me. I was like, he got me that like well after the fact. It was like 2011, but he knew I was like mm. into PS2. Still am. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to oh, move on. Actually, it is worth mentioning also a game that's not on my list at all. Um, maybe it's on your. I don't think it is. I don't think you played this game either. Did you play Ico? I didn't. I've been meaning to because that's that was their first game, right? It's sort of the prequel. To, yeah, I also yeah. haven't played Ico, but um, I, in doing research for this episode, I just like, you know, kind of offhandedly Googled like best video game soundtracks of all time. And there are multiple lists that I read on Google.com. <laughs> where, I, where Ico is the number one game soundtrack of all time. Ooh, cool. um, and, I, and I went and listened to some of it and it was shocking. Like it is unbelievable, Steven. Like we yeah. absolutely need to play that game at some point. Oh yeah. And, and, and I think that's worth kind of reminding ourselves and listener that like, this is not a, like these are the best soundtracks of all time list. I think we made that pretty clear. I also really wanted to keep the games that I had played because I wanted to examine that relationship. Yeah. But I'm really excited to check out Ico because I've only heard great things. Apparently also Tom York loves that game. I remember reading <laughs> that somewhere. Just full circle. Tom York for Smash. Yeah. Speaking of Tom York PS2 and like teenage years, Ooh. my next game on when the soundtrack directs the game is the other Persona game I have. It's Persona 3. Oh, yeah. I guess you could say this is similar. Like, I think all the Persona games have that celebratory aspect, but I think with 3 in particular, it, it's definitely got a much darker atmosphere than 5 and 4. And I think that shifts between those darker moments and the ones that are joyful and carefree really requires like a dynamic soundtrack. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you've got... I think the game's tone is really set up by the title theme, Burn My Dread, which is like the best away message of all time. That opening song kind of covers the range of emotions you will experience in that game in like one song, which I think is really cool. But, you know, you've got stuff that like is very weird and unsettling. It, it's a very hip hop centric soundtrack, but it also plays with like almost like Aphex Twinny, like atonal electronic music. But one of the more joyful songs which I really love, which AJ, if you can play, I would love to share it with the listener is Changing Seasons, which is just like this overwhelmingly upbeat song that plays when you're just like out out of school, hanging out, the world's your oyster, 
Do you want to pray at the shrine or meet up with a friend? Whatever. Do it. Do you want to hang out at the bookstore with the old married couple? The answer is yes. Uh, <laughs> and while you're debating that, you hear this song that is like so upbeat, so fun. And then there's just spoken French in the chorus. Like, it's just so infectious. So I think that, again, I think this these all kind of fit into all categories, but I think that with Persona 3's soundtrack, it is covering a wider array of emotions. So I think it's it's got a little bit more on its plate of tasks um, than 5, which is like just sort of shouting out how cool it is. Mm-hmm. 3 is like really trying to explain what the emotional tenor of the scene is, which like all soundtracks do that. But I think just the range really stands out to me in three because it's, it's so it is such a fine balance in that game to be tonally inconsistent, but it just nails that atmosphere throughout the whole game. Yeah. It's, it's shocking that persona three soundtrack works as well as it does, honestly, uh, when, yeah. when, when you, when you listen to it, cause a, a lot of the instances, I, I, it's worth mentioning, uh, dear listener, I I've been playing a little bit of persona three. It, it's not a game that I'm like as focused on, on playing at the moment, but I've like been playing it off and on in like kind of 15 to half hour chunks recently. But uh, that said, in in the limited time that I put into the game, maybe like three or four hours so far, there are a lot of instances in which music will come in and I'm like, whoa. Yeah. And then like literally 10 seconds later, it just is the game again. You know, like (laughs) I I think I think that's honestly um, I think that's another like hallmark of just like a really like challenging and and good score for for a piece of media is when you're like no way is this what's happening and then immediately it's like you can't imagine this moment without that as the music um and and persona 3 is that like almost all the time yeah i mean going back to the idea if five was one long song that kind of ebbed and flowed this is like a very a big collection of a bunch of songs (laughs) that still fit like an overall mood somehow yeah yeah I, i love this game soundtrack Do you have any ones you want to throw into this category while we're here, or should I press on? Oh man, I'm a little bit iffy because I I don't I don't know what your categories are, and I I weirdly like like a like a hand of cards and like holding some close <laughs> to the chest as if they might fit into other categories better. Do you want me to tell you what the other ones are, or should we should we? I don't play I don't want you to tell me. I'm, enjo- I'm enjoying this like little mini game I've invented for myself. <laughs> Hell yeah! Okay, life's a game, baby. Yeah. Um, I, well, I've got I've got two more in this category. I'll okay. tell you that much. So um, I'll say the next one and then I'll check in and then we can end with one. If that sure. works. That sounds good. Yeah. Uh, the next one is my other Mario game. It's Mario 64. Another Koji Kondo Man. classic. It is a me. <laughs> 64. <laughs> I don't know why it got me. Sometimes when you're right, you're right. Um, uh, Mario 64, I think, is it's a very iconic soundtrack. Um, I put it in this category of direction because this is the first Mario game that like was not a timed left to right experience. So the the goal for this music was was really important to make you want to stay in a place for a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you feel that with songs like 
Dire Dire Docks, the classic underwater music that we kind of alluded to earlier. You've got the main theme, which plays in the very first level. I mean, this game, we talked about this when we did our 3D All-Stars episode, how like how hands-off Mario 64 is and that like you show up at the castle, there's no one there, you hear birds chirping, there's no music until you go into the castle. And it's not even a clear way to like find where the levels are until you just decide to try to jump into a painting. Like if, if it's now so known that's like, okay, that's what I right, do. Right, right, With right. the first time you play that, especially as a kid, you're not going to know to do that. So the music again is like a very guiding force in that game. And once you're in the painting, the, the music is kind of on full display of like, here's what this world is about. Here's the vibe of this level that you're going to not rush to complete, but you're actually going to explore and be here for like maybe hours. I remember hearing, and again, I wish I had more things to kind of concretely cite, but I, I believe the test, uh, Koji Kondo composed this. And I remember hearing from our mutual friend who I think looked into the creation of this game. He told me that the test was if he could listen to the same song for like four hours straight and not get sick of it. Mm. So there was this really delicate balance of like, it had to be exciting enough to get you interested, but it couldn't be too much to listen to for a long period of time. Um, So that's kind of why I put this game soundtrack in this category for that really delicate balance of like explaining what the world is about without any other information. Yeah. I don't have a whole lot to add about, uh, about Super Mario 64 soundtrack um, outside of, again, just, you know, I, I hate saying it over and over again in just these two words, but it's good. It's, it's good soundtrack. <laughs> I mean, I, I made all these categories just so I had more to say than it's good, <laughs> but like that's, <laughs> that's basically all we're saying. This is like a two hour version of us saying it's good. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're making whipped cream out of like two ingredients. <laughs> yeah, cream and whips. I think I think you will have more to say about this next one. Mm. I have one more of this when the soundtrack directs the game. Minesweeper. <laughs> click click boom. Um <laughs> My last one is Bastion, composed by Darren Korb. Yeah, so I'll just I'll tell you exactly what I what I wrote here on my list. The collective works of Darren Korb is just what I put here. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I mean Darren Korb is Supergiant's composer. He has done Transistor, Hades, Pyre, and Bastion. All incredible. All kind of like Persona have their own genre that they're kind of exploring. They're all incredible for basically the same reason, which is probably why you lump them together. But in in my challenge of having to choose one, I went with Bastion just because like mm. that was my first game. And I think in this category of being the director, I would also include Logan Cunningham's narration like as kind of part of the soundtrack here. Yeah. I mean, he's featured in some of the songs, the, the opening song, which if you can play AJ, that'd be great, is Get Used to It. It's the first thing you hear in the game. It's like really like kind of in the distance guitar and you hear his beautiful voice saying listen all this takes a lot of getting used to and you do get used to it after a while there's three things i'll always miss though one not having to watch my step all the time two uh, forget about two and three I miss the songs. Folks from Ceylandia knew how to carry a tune. And that's what kicks off the sure whole game. And it's so like, I mean, literally, this is, I guess, the most concrete version of 
soundtrack acting as director especially paired with logan cunningham's amazing narration because you're getting the whole story from it you know you're just exploring these levels as a silent protagonist not really getting any direct story in the way you are with like hades amazing dialogue in the way you are with like the logs in transistor or like the ambient kind of D party shatter of pyre like you're really just hitting shit with a hammer and bastion (laughs) So it's up to the music and the narrator to really tell you why you're here and why it's important. And I think just genre-wise, like, I remember seeing, I think actually our friend Karen for the website used to write for, interviewed Darren Korb. And I remember in that interview, he said that a lot of video game soundtracks were either orchestral or kind of like chiptune or MIDI. And he wanted to make music he like hasn't really heard in the game. And I feel like that intention is like in all the soundtracks, you know, I mean, we see it more now. Bastion came out in like, what, 2010? So it's been a while. I think we have seen more than just those two types of soundtracks. But to hear like banjo come in in the midst of like electric guitars and brusher patrol, which is so fucking cool. Like it has this very almost kind of uh, country or folk edge to it, but it, it's such a unique vibe. I, I don't know if I know any music, never mind game soundtracks, that sound like Bastion's soundtrack. incredible I, I, another one that will like fly above the rest for me kind of like sign our wild hearts yeah yeah I, it, it has definitely like a pretty uh pretty strong like kind of bluegrassy influence which yes I, bluegrass I, yes exactly which i think is really is really stellar i, I think the thing that um really surprises me about bastion soundtrack is or at, at the time at least i remember immediately kind of honing in on that like this is kind of shocking that this is what this game sounds like. Yeah. Um, Specifically because of the size and scope of the game itself, right? Like a a soundtrack on this level with, with this kind of orchestration and this kind of instrumentation, like was maybe more feasible for more of a triple a studio, but coming from an indie studio, like this was like an Xbox live arcade release initially you know like that was the thing that really surprised me um because the other games of the time uh in terms of soundtrack that i would like point at and be like these are great game soundtracks were like uh geometry wars which was you know kind of like a kind of chiptune throwback arcade vibe uh spelunky which you know also kind of had a genesis sega genesis vibe it has a wonderful soundtrack but it's definitely like trying to be something else um and then braid which i think is like maybe the outlier here which has a beautiful orchestrated soundtrack and then it was real revealed very quickly that it was like from a music library that jonathan blow had found you know and licensed the tracks from music library which like not to speak lesser of of those tracks i think they're actually really wonderful i think that those tracks are really well selected as a music supervisor he did a very good job being the one person working on the whole game but that said i mean this was a a contemporary with all of those games that had a soundtrack that was just on a completely different level and i remember even when that game came out and i didn't play a whole lot of it i i liked bastion but i could never like really get into the gameplay loop as i've talked about a lot i mean if you've listened to the show for a while you know my reasons for not really getting into uh, bastion but even though i i had only played a little bit of it i remember thinking and hearing a lot of the time like you know super giant games is 
probably going to go on to make a lot of stuff. I hope they keep Darren Korb around. Like Darren Korb was immediately like a name in the space yeah. because of yeah. the soundtrack. Uh, and, Absolutely. And, you know, he still is clearly. Yeah. The voice of Zagreus and Skelly and composer of Hades. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, Hades, I mean, you know, need, need we say more about that game and the incredible music there too. What I really love is this continued trend of Supergiant games ending with a duet. Both Bastion and mm-hmm. Hades have like one character will sing one song early on and then another will sing another one and then they're united by the end. Music plays such an important role in these games too. I mean, in Transistor, the main character is a singer who has lost her voice right? and has to like find out how to interact with the world in face of that. Yeah, I think like, even though I chose Bastion, I would add one to the collective works of Darren Corb as well. Um, such a talented guy. Yeah, I, I do think you were right to hone in on Bastion specifically because I'll, th- this is going to sound like an insult and I promise it is not at all. But like he has done the same thing multiple times. But the thing that he has done over and over again is like reinvent himself and create something totally new. So like that, that is not to be taken lightly. Um, but that that's why I lumped it all in is like the collective works of Darren Corb. It's just like every time he does something, he outdoes himself somehow. And that's very surprising. But that feeling of like, holy shit. I, I really only had that during Bastion because it was I had no idea who he was or what I was going to get out of it. And and actually, Bastion was introduced to me. And I'm thinking about it. Wow. I just had like a weird like memory unlock in the back of my head. I was introduced to it because of the music. Now that I'm thinking about it. A friend recommended that I play Bastion specifically because he thought I would like the soundtrack a lot. And boy, was he right. Um, <laughs> but that that was the that was the shock and awe was like, holy shit, the soundtrack is amazing. And now every time I play a super giant game, I'm like, man, I just can't wait to hear what Darren Korb cooked up. And like, <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't disappoint. Yeah, they're yeah. all incredible. Yeah. Um, so that was it for that category. How are you feeling, by the way? Do you want to take a quick break or you want to keep going or what's up? I would love to take a break. How about we take a break and then we come back and we maybe tackle another category? That sounds great. Cool. Uh, we will be back soon, dear listener, with more music. Goodbye. Bye. Dear listener, we have returned to talk about music we like. And uh, the next category that we're going to talk about is soundtracks that are good. (laughs) This one's a good one. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So actually, I I have two more categories. Mm -hmm. And the next one, the next one sounds like a little bit of a backhanded compliment. Um, but I, I think it applies to these two games. I think it will lead to an interesting conversation. I'm I'm um, fascinated. <laughs> okay. So this category... I'm on the edge of my seat, Stephen. <laughs> the edge of my seat. That's because I have a very cheap office chair. I'm always at the edge of my seat. Same here. My next category is when the soundtrack steals the spotlight. Uh, so this to me is... Ooh. I think in a lot of the games we've talked about, it's been like... The soundtrack plays a certain role and it's always a highlight of some ways. In these two cases, I think the soundtrack is the best thing about the game. Mm. Like it is working maybe in a way that makes me like the game more that I like significantly wouldn't otherwise. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah. 
So, and I think you'll realize what I mean when I name my next two. And again, I love both these games. I've talked about both these games, uh, but I just think like the soundtrack is like, it's kind of like that old viral video where it's like drummers at the wrong gig and there's like Mm -hmm. an incredible drummer playing in like a dad rock band. That's kind of the vibe where it's like, okay, there's like an angel amidst mortals here. Yeah, I'm so so excited to hear what these two games are going to be. So the first one is Octopath Traveler. Oh my god. Yeah, great pick. Okay. Yeah, Octopath Traveler by Yusunori Nishiki. Really young composer. I think he's like our age. This game, so we've talked a lot about Octopath. It means a lot to both of us. I think it's an incredible game in many ways. It falls short in others. But the soundtrack is like... The soundtrack makes the game feel like it's going to be more important than it is. <laughs> you know, the the main theme of this game will make you weep in the way like the opening of a Miyazaki film will. Mm. Um, and then it begins and it's like, Tressa, tie for bed! <laughs> and you're like, wait, what? What, what am I playing? Uh, it is a beautiful soundtrack. The main theme is like so incredible. A standout is also Decisive Battle 2, which is one of the boss themes, which is like just thrilling. Um, And some really, really beautiful, more somber melodies that like really help complement. I think another thing that's incredible about this game is the art style, which we've often talked about. Like, I don't want to downplay the things that are great in this game, but I think the soundtrack is really what like lifts the rest up in a way that like just makes me really fall in love with things that I wouldn't have otherwise. Um, Among Stately Peaks is like a really, really beautiful, somber song in like one of the more mountainous regions of the world. And I think the game is, I mean, the look of the game feels like a storybook. I think the writing is like a little bit purposely campy in some moments. You know, it, it has its flaws, but the, the music is just so devastatingly beautiful that like it made me stick around probably way longer than I would have otherwise. Yeah. And it just like... It itself deserves such accolade. I, I love the music in this game. I just uh, I just looked up the Wikipedia page of this composer. Uh, he also worked on the Final Fantasy VII remake. Was one of the composers who worked on that. Oh my god! Um, and you're gonna love this Gravity Rush too. Oh my god! Yeah, that was also. I actually I bought that soundtrack on my PS4, so I have it just there. Another great. Oh my god! What a talent! A great place to have a soundtrack, as we all know. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> So yeah, that that is my opening of uh, when the soundtrack steals the spotlight. Now that you know what this is, do you have any you throw on here? Um, I I might move Dicey Dungeons into this category. Okay, interesting. That one's all over the place. That one's like a little bit and everything, which kind of makes sense. Yeah, I just I just I I. I think that game had a really great like first showing and I just don't play it anymore. I just listen to the soundtrack. So I think that's like 
just the, what this category is to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that game. I haven't played it just because I've kind of just been like very busy with with the show. <laughs> but um, I think I probably would have played it way more if I could like just stick to one thing. Mm. But anyway, I think that makes sense for your placement of it. The next one I have, the final one I have for this category is none other than Chrono Cross, composed by Yasunori oh, Masuda. Yeah. Again, we're not ranking these, but if I had to say like what is my favorite game soundtrack, it is this one. This, this game soundtrack is unbelievable. I mean, similar thing to Octopath. I do think Chrono Cross is a great game. It's the sequel to Chrono Trigger. A lot of people are divided on it because it's such a different vibe. I actually played Chrono Cross first, which is maybe why I'm a little bit kinder to it. The story is a little bit of a mess. It, it, it is very ambitious. Um, I tend to like sequels that like really, really, really try to distinguish themselves from the preceding thing. Um, so even if it's like not what people wanted, I do think like time has been kinder to Chrono Cross because it's like just its own game. And there's a lot of great stuff here. I think the combat system is interesting. I think that the character design is a lot of fun, but the soundtrack like really makes this like game that like is probably just good without it into something that like it was one of my favorite RPGs growing up. The song Scars of Time is like one of the most beautiful things I've ever listened to in my life. Mm. Do yourself a favor, go on youtube.com and look up <laughs> <laughs> the video game orchestra. <laughs> the <laughs> Go to youtube.co.uk. You gotta hear the British cut of this track. You gotta hear the video game orchestra cover of Scars of Time. It is so good. It's like every violin coming at you from every angle. They're, they just throw in a violin solo and you can see the whole orchestra is like smirking a little bit because they just know they're killing it. It's so fun. It's a great video. Oh, I love um, that. It is, really it's just a beautiful song. <laughs> I, I can't describe the feelings that song gives me. Yeah. top of um there's the world map theme that like is a kind of different version of the chrono trigger theme but with like steel drums like a lot of very uh interesting instruments in this soundtrack and it is also you know even though it is kind of in the kind of realm of orchestral rpg music it feels very unique in the choice of instruments and the like regions of music it's kind of pulling from you know i feel like there is like a lot of latin america a lot of different islands like it just feels very unique so yeah i just i had when we said we were doing this episode chrono cross is the first soundtrack i wrote down but i do think it's it's by a long shot better than the actual game is so that's mm. why i had it in this category I'm I'm very excited. This is semi-related, mostly unrelated. I'm I'm in such like a retro game kick at the moment, just with all the stuff that I'm playing. I'm very excited to finally play Chrono Trigger after all these years. Yeah, um, oh, you'll love it. Year, years and years and years, like 
predating this podcast of you telling me to play Chrono Trigger. Um, and, and I, I feel it coming. I, I think when I'm done with oh, some yeah. of the stuff that I'm playing, one of the things that's very surprising about this year to me is that I've been finishing more games than I think I ever have before. Mm. Uh, and, and, uh, it, it's fun to like be really seeing games to completion, uh, and, and like having a backlog that like feels exciting and not like oh this is just what's coming next i think specifically because there are no games like coming out for real (laughs) at the moment (laughs) so so i really like not only we as you always say on the show we're not beholden to the release schedule on this podcast but like we don't even have anything to be beholden to like there's not even a thing there's not even a a specter a looming specter of something to be beholden to at the moment (gasps) right uh, right. So yeah, it's cool. I'm playing Earthbound and Mother Three at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I can beat Dragon Quest Eleven. Hell yeah! Yeah, yeah. I mean, I actually think you would like Chrono Cross too. I think it's a game that is more interesting conceptually than it is in execution. But again, the music just aids the setting and the game so well. Yeah. So those are the stealing the spotlight games. And here's my last category. How about um, how, how about I do my my category before your last category? Oh, of course. Yeah. I I have one cat. I have a single category. I love it. I love it. I don't know. I don't know why this just feels like the right place to bring it up. So I'm going to I'm going to say it. Um, it. So my one category is uh, the the game soundtracks that convinced me that I should also make game soundtracks. I love this. Yeah. So I, I guess a little bit of history. If I if I haven't gotten too deep into it, I'll, I'll go a little bit deeper into it than I than I usually do. But I was in a band. I dropped out of college to join a band. And I was in a band for a couple of years, and the band was very intense. Um, I learned bass to be in this band, even though I was uh, technically a guitarist and a vocalist and like a producer. Uh, I learned bass because they, I don't know, the people who were in the band asked me to do it. We all moved into a house together. We lived in the house. We we practiced six hours a day, seven days a week, you know, unless we had a, a show that day or we're on tour or something or we're recording or whatever. Uh, it was really intense. We really treated it like a business and every, every yeah. person in the house was like responsible for a different part of the business. My end was mostly like production, songwriting and, and, and marketing specifically because because I had already somehow at this point in my life, like kind of uh, I, I had a resume full of like uh, social media marketing and like design work that I had done for people. Um, so that was kind of my role there. And over the course of uh, my, my time doing like kind of uh, audio design and, and like live uh, live audio mixing and production and stuff. And I was also DJing on the side a little bit as well. I kind of got into the idea of of like building synths, not like actual like physical synths, but like building synth sounds and just like kind of exploring what that was all about and there's a there's a point when the band broke up as is you know probably gonna happen to most bands there's a point where the band broke up and i was in just like not a very good place because i was like i dropped out of college for this i don't really know what to do i got kicked out of my own bedroom i won't get into that i got kicked out of my own bedroom and i was sleeping on the couch in the living room just watching star trek literally all day every day because i i also didn't have a job anymore uh because i worked at blockbuster which we all know how that ended too Uh, (laughs) oh no not a great not a great period i'm sorry to laugh just the way you said it was funny (laughs) no i i I think it's very funny too looking back on it at least Um, Sure, yeah. But anyway, it I, I I was torn between two things was like, I want to keep making music and I don't know how to do it because obviously the we, we lived in the house even after the band broke up for a couple months because at least wasn't up, which is just like, don't do that. We shouldn't have done that to ourselves. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe not. But uh, but anyway, I was still like, OK, I can't make music with with my roommates anymore. So like I need to figure out some way to make music by myself. And and I, I had two distinct avenues that I went down. And one of them was I started making ambient music because I believe it or not also had insomnia on top 
of all of this. I was sleeping like an hour a night. I was like, I need to put myself to sleep. So I'm going to make music that puts me to sleep. Um, and I got really into ambient music. I was just like studying ambient music for a long time. Um, and I started producing ambient albums. And alongside that, I played a couple games because uh, I was still very into playing video games at the time that like really kind of inspired me to experiment with building chiptune synths specifically because um, I was really into the idea of experimenting with sounds and stuff. And I was like, I have ballooned myself so far outside of the realm of like even even arranging and composing music that all I do now is build sounds. And that is not allowing me to like finish anything. Um, so I needed to give myself some constraints. Um, and, and that was kind of where chiptune entered my life in a way that I wasn't really anticipating where like, Oh, there are like, there are not that many sounds I can really choose from. Like, uh, for, for those of you who don't know, I the, like, crash course in, in synthesis, you got sine waves, you got, um, uh, sawtooth waves, which are, are triangles. Sine waves are like kind of, you know, curvy waves. You have noise, which is just like white noise. Um, and then the other one is are square waves, which is like what chiptune sounds are. Um, so by making chiptune music, you are essentially erasing three of the four kinds of sounds that you can make with a synthesizer, which I was like, this is perfect for me. This will actually convince me to make more music and get yeah. more into the idea of arranging and composing and actually songwriting. And, and I just wanted to kind of talk about the games that like, or the game soundtracks that really like inspired me to get into to yeah. that um the the first really really big one and it's funny because like going back and listening to it it's not really that much chiptune stuff but like just the vibe of the game i think was so like so uh striking in its atmosphere and and so uh enhanced by the music that i was like i want to see if i can make something like this for myself was a game for ios that's now available on switch so like go play it it's on switch i think it's on steam too um sword and sorcery ep by yeah, super yeah, brothers yeah. the the score is by jim guthrie go listen to the song ballad of the space babies is the name of it <laughs> it ha it has a sound in it there's a sound where like a, a synth goes that like they to this day super brothers uses as their like audio logo whenever they're they're doing stuff they have a new game coming out this year called jet which i'm gonna lose my fucking mind on the show about when it comes out Anyway, when they when when they announced that game in the PlayStation 5 event, like they used that sound in it, lost my goddamn mind. The first time <laughs> I ever heard that, I was like, I want to learn how to make that sound. Yeah. Um, and, and that was like the beginning of me going like all in on, on making music and really wanted to make music for video games specifically. Um, another game also on iOS, also composed by Chipsel. Um, also, uh, the, the game was by uh, Terry Kavanaugh, who made dicey dungeons was super hexagon um mm. that soundtrack has three songs in it and they go so fucking hard steven <laughs> it was like i i didn't realize that it, I, if you've ever downloaded like um a, like a key gen uh thing for like a cracked version of software and you heard just like the wildest chiptune music in your entire life like super hexagon was literally chipsel just being like i'm just gonna put that in a fucking video game and it's gonna be wild um and it works really well it fits the tone of the game which is just like very abstract you are a triangle trying to not get hit by a hexagon and that's the whole game and it's so difficult and there are three songs in it and they just speed up the better at the game you are uh really terrifying and really wonderful so that was another one those two on ios like really fucked me up initially um yeah. those those were kind of like the big 
the big ones for me super hexagon i played even before i was in the band like that just like always stuck with me was like oh maybe chiptune music is cool but then sword and sorcerer ep like really hit it home for me the next one was like the really big one was like the 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 entry point for me and that was uh disaster pieces score for fez um Mm, yeah I, I've I've said here and there that like Fez might be my favorite game of all time and like I kind of always teeter on the edge of that but but Fez it means a lot to me like as a video game and a lot of that comes down to how incredible the soundtrack is um, because as I started getting more into the idea of making chiptune music and like seeing what that community was like on the internet because it had been a long time since I had like tried to embed myself in a community of people online and like being in message boards and forums and things like that. Um, <laughs> I found out very quickly, maybe unsurprisingly, because like this is a genre of music that is born and bred of the video game industry and video games as a hobby. Very gatekeepy and shitty and bad. And I hated it. I really hated a lot of what was happening in a lot of the forums I heard because people would post things and be like, hey, I worked really hard on this. This is how I feel about it. And people would literally be like, this is shit. Like, get it out of here. This isn't chiptune music, whatever. And that was happening a lot with my stuff also at the time, because I was I was experimenting with things that weren't just like being produced specifically on a Game Boy and then like plugging in headphones and recording it directly from headphones out of my Game Boy. Or like I wasn't modding my Super Nintendo and making the music specifically on the Super Nintendo with a Super Nintendo controller because I was using like software, like actual music production software it wasn't considered chiptune. Oh my God. Then I heard disaster pieces score for Fez and was like, this is a guy doing exactly the same thing I'm doing on a level that is so far beyond what I can even imagine. And even these people who suck more than anyone else I've ever met on the internet are like this rules. Uh, <laughs> and that, that was kind of the the big aha moment for me was like, I, I now have permission to do exactly this kind of thing that I think is really great. And people have been telling me sucks, but I I now have permission to like go do this and like go, you know, full force and like explore this as creatively as I feel like um, and really break outside of the the realm of like you can only have six sounds coming from a Super Nintendo. And that that was like a really big moment for me. And that's something I think about a lot in like creative endeavors in general is is that exact moment for me is hearing the Fez soundtrack and being like, oh, my God, it it's OK to think like this outside of the box and still say that you're something else. You know, like you and I, we make this video game podcast. You and I make Into the Aether Loki video game podcast. And like by by not being beholden to the stuff that's coming out, we are essentially like, you know, uh, limiting ourselves. We're limiting our own reach and we know that we're doing it. And that's that's like in in every single like podcasting masterclass you would read about on medium.com or whatever the fuck website you you feel like picking at the time. Everyone would tell you to not do the podcast that you and I are making literally at this exact moment. <laughs> You and I are recording this podcast right now and people would be like, don't do this. But even in the creation of Into the Aether, like I was thinking about this moment when I first heard the Fez soundtrack and just thinking about like, fuck it. I know I know what my instincts are. I know what I like and and, and I'm just going to pursue that. Um, and, and that really, really paved the way for like the stuff that I was really proud of and the stuff that I, I put out into the world and like really, really, really stood by. And the stuff that eventually like got me work making scores for games, which like to be perfectly clear, dear listener, none of them ever came out. I actually never released any soundtracks for any games that came out, but I did get to work on a lot of stuff because of the stuff that was inspired by Fizz. You know, people reach out to me because of my SoundCloud profile and my, and my bank 
Bandcamp profile and were like, hey, do you want to work on this? A lot of student projects here and there. Um, and I, I got to make work because of the stuff that Disasterpiece allowed me to make. Um, and I thought that was like really, really special and has like completely like changed my brain and the way I think about creative work ever since. The other, the other one on top of that, um, in that same, in that same realm, and it's specifically because like I, this person has no idea who who I am, but I consider them a contemporary at the time because um, he and I were working uh, for for a website simultaneously, or like we're releasing uh, music on a website at the same time. But this guy who goes by Life Formed made a soundtrack for uh, a game called Dust Force, which I think a lot of people don't remember. Um, and this weirdly might go in your category uh, that you just <laughs> talked about of like soundtracks that are like just so far and beyond the game that they're attached to. Dust Force is a cool game. It's about a bunch of people who are like uh, they have brooms and they go around. It's almost like uh, Super Meat Boy, but you have to clean up leaves on the level instead of like not <laughs> die. Um, so the whole idea is the whole level is covered in leaves and you go around um, and you have to like sweep all the leaves up and like clean up the whole level before you move on. You have to do it as quickly as possible. This soundtrack uh by life formed for this it's called fast fall uh is the name of the album so like go on spotify find fast fall by life formed just a ridiculously good album and the first two tracks on it are like i think to this day my favorite two like back-to-back songs on an album ever the first one is called cider time that like wrecked my head and then the next one is nine bit expedition and those two songs just like really 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 influenced a lot of what I thought about music production and chiptune production in particular at the time. And and that I think uh, Fez, Sword and Sorcery, Dust Force, Super Hexagon are like the four things that were like the reasons I started making music and chiptune music specifically. The the fifth one that I would I would tag on to the end because it all happened like after I was already done making chiptune music for the most part is Disaster Pieces follow up soundtrack for Hyper Light Drifter, which mm. was just like, OK, what if Fez but cinema? Uh, and that was great. But yeah, th- those I, I, I think th- those four like really, really, uh, really hit home for me. And I think I think about them and listen to them all the time. Uh, completely, completely uh, disconnected from the games that they're attached to. Just like as pieces of music, I just think about them constantly. I, I loved that, Brendan. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I mean, true. I don't know if it's because it's almost midnight, but I really <laughs> felt like I was listening to a show I wasn't part of there. I mean that as a compliment. I mean, I think it's so powerful to experience a piece of art that, like you said, gives you permission to do the thing you want. I think what comes with, you know, in broad strokes, the journey of any kind of creative process is like you figure out the thing you love doing, you study it. And, and you like want feedback on it. And that's where you bump into like where unfortunately I think a lot of people drop it because you get shitty Internet forums like that or or even without an outside force. There's this like at least this is how I felt um, in a lot of pursuits, both with with my drawing and when I was more involved in acting 
was this idea that like I needed to verify that I wasn't doing something wrong, you know, that I wasn't doing the craft wrong. And like, there's a positive to that in the sense that you are hungry to learn. But if I have any advice to give as just a human, not as someone who has any expertise in anything, but just as a person is like, don't ever think any artistic pursuit is incorrect. Fuck that. The rules are there to help guide you. They're not there to to set parameters for what you can achieve. Because the minute you settle for those parameters, you're not being true to your instinct and you're not going to make the art that you dreamt of, which led you on that path. So I think sometimes you do need to see someone else doing like, oh, fuck. Yeah, that's what I want. That's what I want to see. Yeah. You know, I'm so happy you had that. And I really hope you continue to make more music because I love what I've heard. And I think you got a lot of talent, kid. See your name in lights. Oh, thank you so much. I, I, uh, I, I guess to, to be totally honest, one of the reasons that I was like going so hard on the, um, the, the saxophone, uh, in, in Dicey Dungeons thing is there is a specific sound that I've had in my head for about five or six years at this point that I just can't get to work. And I've been working <laughs> on like literally for years. And eventually if I ever get it, I will return to chiptune music and dear listener, it's going to be fucking sick. Yes. Uh, if yes. I can get this idea to work, I'm actually going to say this just to you, AJ. I need okay. you to bleep this out. I, I never want anyone to hear this except for for you, Stephen, and you, AJ. But I've been I've been working on trying to make yes for like ever, and it is. <laughs> I ha- I had this one instance in which <laughs> it's like okay, back to the drawing board. That um, idea, though, I I definitely know why you're chasing that because that is like. That could be really cool. I'm into yeah. that. Anyway, that's 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 a tangent. This next category, I think, is uh, is definitely the the most loosely defined, but I think will be good for the uh, the final part mm-hmm. of our episode. Music with notes. Pretty much, man. This is where like I might have would have been better served combining some other ones, but this last category is when the soundtrack is the heart of the world. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I, so, actually, I could just take all of the other ones that I have floating around i could just shove them into this it's gonna be perfect yeah (laughs) it's pretty it's pretty broad i mean if i had to classify it i would say that this is similar to when the soundtrack takes the spotlight but in a way that everything is aiding the soundtrack Mm -hmm. it's not that the soundtrack is the best by a mile it's like the soundtrack is the leading force but everything is still keeping up with it. And yeah. again, this is like very, this is a big Venn diagram of watercolors bleeding into each other. <laughs> but I think it, it's a pretty broad category that I think everything else we have today will fit in. Yeah. So kicking it off is uh, probably an easy guess from me, or you might have seen this coming. Uh, Undertale by Toby Fox. That tracks, yeah. Uh, <laughs> a lot of things Undertale related have kind of been Shrekified in recent years, I feel. So it's hard <laughs> for me to be like, Megalovania is fucking cool. Um, but I think 
when I think about this game and when I think about what moments kind of brought me to tears or made me feel happy or laugh whatever got like a physical response from me are, are all the tracks here and i think with undertale music plays such an important role as well in that like a lot of songs or other songs sped up or played backwards it's a very mm-hmm. like purposeful soundtrack another soundtrack that kind of mixes chip tune with real instruments in a really great way i mean if i had to choose one song that kind of represents what i love about the soundtrack it's the final song in the pacifist run hopes and dreams which is literally it's every song you've heard before in like the most like uh end of dragon ball z give (laughs) me all your power moment that like is is so genuinely thrilling and uplifting Megalovania is a great track. It's kind of been, again, it's been a little Shrekified, but I think it's I, in like DDR at this point. So like, yeah, right. Yeah. It's, at, it's at that <laughs> level. Songs like home, the song that plays when you're just in the house with Toriel in the beginning and uh, death by glamour, which is the song that plays when you fight Metaton and how that song is like every theme in that area, but sped up. I, I think that's something that I really think about mostly with Undertale soundtrack is how it kind of cannibalizes itself. It's such a successful degree yeah. that you really feel like, you know, it could be really hokey to have everyone kind of have a theme song. But I think about, you know, when you first meet Sans, it plays like a very kind of hokey, almost like uh you know, Hanna-Barbera kind of song. Mm, yeah. Um, and there's a later scene where you've got a really serious conversation with him and you wouldn't notice it at first, but it's the same song just like with different instruments and it's slowed down. Cool. Um, that, that to me takes such a intimate understanding of your own work mm. that like, it really just feels like it's an extension of the world itself. Um, and I mean, this is soundtrack I listen to a lot. Uh, it's beautiful. Um, there's a lot of great uh, orchestral covers. I think there was actually recently a concert that did like all the music from oh, this cool. game. I didn't know that. But uh, yeah, it is. It is. You know, I, I think the leading force of of the game, and I think it's a lot of the reason why people were so emotionally. I mean, the writing is great. The characters are great. That's why I think it's the heart and not taking the spotlight because everything is like working together. But I think the soundtrack is like paving the way for the game emotionally. Mm. think that one of the um the big like blank spots in this episode at least for me and like maybe just you know we'll, we'll talk about it later and then append it back into this episode is uh earthbound and mother three um, yes two games that i'm playing simultaneously at, at the moment um both of which have very different i think it seems like they're very similar um aesthetically when you listen to the soundtracks back to back but they they're going after very different things um earthbound is really interesting i I won't get super into it but i did look up i i wasn't actually going to bring it up but i did look up a little bit about the making of that soundtrack and they were really inspired by the beach boys at the time which i think is interesting cool yeah Um, specifically after pet sounds had come out and brian wilson was like trying to pare back his like uh, again like maximalist vibe on on pet sounds 
Earthbound was like directly inspired by Brian Wilson, like trying to turn the corner and go back to like a more minimalist vibe, uh, which I think is really interesting. Mother 3 touches on a lot of what you just described in Undertale as well, uh, where songs will be reused in different ways. There is a bit at a point that you're not at yet where uh, a song that you won't even recognize is being played again in a way that is fucking horrifying. Um, And I I just, I cannot wait to talk to you about it because it's like one of the like, big like holy shit moments of the game for me was was when uh it was pointed out to me that that had happened uh, and i it just completely flew by until i went back and revisited it yeah. yeah i mean you know if there's one game that really influenced undertale it's definitely earthbound and mother three mother yeah. three specifically but yeah um so that that had to make the list Do you have any you'd throw under here now that we're on this category? Yeah, pretty much everything else on my list, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, go for it. I only have two more, so so feel free to throw whatever you want. Sure. Um, I, th- I think a big one that I, I also want to put in the, like, this is one of those soundtracks that just kind of, like, stands alone as its own, like, great piece of work um, outside of everything else, but also does a really wonderful job of framing the game. And I think the game wouldn't have been as successful without this is a C418 soundtrack for Minecraft. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to be on Again, I just mentioned I, I listen to a lot of ambient music. I'm like a big fan of like ambient as a genre, uh, which like say what you will about that. But uh, that's the kind of person I am. So here we are. <laughs> I think that this is like maybe one of the best ambient albums of all time. Like for real. It, it, it is an incredible, incredible piece of work. But outside of that, dude, look at what Minecraft is. How hard it must have been to figure out what that game is going to sound like. And to land yeah. on ambient music is like kind of shocking in a way because right because you think it, it would be something a little bit more upbeat it kind of has that super mario 64 like you got to listen yes. to it for four hours and see if it works kind of vibe yeah um but in this case you have to listen to it for like 400 hours and see if it works <laughs> and really the only genre that you're left with at that point is either complete silence or uh what what he, he came up with here and he he nailed it <laughs> I love self-describing genre as complete silence. <laughs> like, yeah, we're in a band, whatever. Uh, who did that? What band was? That? I don't. I don't listen to them. But uh, Wolfpack. I, I don't. I, I don't know anything about their music or whatever. But I do remember hearing that they released an album of complete silence at one point on Spotify. Oh and then my Spotify God. had to add a new rule that was like you can't do this anymore. <laughs> complete silence is not a genre. Sorry. Yeah, but but they released an album that was all silent, and then they asked their fans to listen to it on repeat while they slept, or just like leave it on repeat so they could raise money to actually produce a new album uh which oh, ended wow. up working for them they produced a new album which is great that's cool. that sounds good to me i don't i don't know anything about that band but uh, good for them that's that's a that's a cool move <laughs> anyway minecraft does a good soundtrack <laughs> I was going to say, I'm glad you brought up Minecraft, which might be the first and last time I ever say that out loud. But (laughs) I think um, (laughs) I I don't think it gets enough. The soundtrack doesn't get enough attention and it is incredible. I think it's like weirdly easy to overlook. It's weird because it doesn't. It doesn't. You know, Minecraft. It's weird that Minecraft is so famous that it overshadows the fame of this soundtrack, which is also famous in its own right. Right. Um, it's it's kind of wild. It's also wild that Minecraft is like still as big as it is, by the way. Yeah, I'm always I have it on Game Pass. I'm always like, should I do it? Should I meet up with Steve today? <laughs> you should. But yeah, I mean, it's like saying the soundtrack is great. It's like, yeah, that that halftime show, the Super Bowl is actually pretty cool. If you like take a step back and think about it. <laughs> um, but I think that deserves the place. 
me to throw one in here that I think is probably in yours too? Well, yeah, let's go for it. The next one I have for when the soundtrack is the heart of the world is Kentucky Route Zero. Oh, yeah. Composed by Ben Babbitt. Oh, my God. Yeah. Is that on your list? Yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, honestly, this is this is another one that like, I think alongside Sinai Wild Hearts and Bastion and Chrono Cross is like, when I think of game soundtracks, talk about ambient and talk about like a, this game soundtrack kind of applies to everything we've said for this entire episode, I think. So does Kentucky Route Zero. Kentucky Route Zero applies to everything we've ever said on any episode of this podcast. <laughs> um, I think that like odyssey you literally have musical numbers in this game where like as if you're watching a stage play or a musical there will be that that perspective of watching someone on stage i mean there's the iconic moment with junebug in the lower depths where where she sings too late to love you which is one of my standout tracks here you also have stuff like river world which is like one of the coolest like relaxing but spooky vibes in in act four when you're just on the boat the whole time mm-hmm. so effective and again this is a game where you're like primarily reading so music has such an important role to play here to make this game feel like its own medium almost and i think in the in the quiet moments i mean one of the things we mentioned when we first talked about this game was the song that plays when you're on julian for the first time when you're on this giant bird and it's like so inexplicably inspiring and creepy at the same time and those are the two words i would describe this whole soundtrack with another song that i think AJ, if you can play, please do. This world is not my home, like, makes me weep every time I hear it. That's all. I kind of wish the game ended with that. I think that's like the the common take is like, I liked Act 5. I I really thought it was a good finale. It feels more like an epilogue to me, though, because Act 4 ending with This World is Not My Home was so powerful to me that I was like, this is one of the best games I ever played. Mm -hmm. Like, in that moment, hearing that song, that it's mournful and it's also one of like the smallest moments of hope in that game you know like there are in in a world that has been shut off there are these like little places that are given some sense of home or joy uh and you're on this restaurant that's rocking in an ocean that makes you forget about things (laughs) and you're mourning the loss of of like your closest friend This world is not my home I'm just passing through My treasures and my hopes Are placed beyond the blue Just heartbreakingly brilliant. Like, this whole soundtrack is unreal. Yeah, it's it's really, it's spectacular, man. It's, I, I... I can't speak highly enough of the Kentucky Red Zero soundtrack. I I really love it. That that Julian track is the one that I was going to highlight. Um, that's the, yeah. that, that's the track that I like listen to the most. Yeah. I also in in the in the um preparation for making this episode, I knew you had made categories, and I was like toying with the idea of maybe making categories also, and I only made that one. But another one that I was working on was uh the best needle drops in video games, and and the uh the Junebug song in the lower depths is to me like one of the quintessential like you you introduced a piece of music into a video game and it like completely changed my relationship with it um, yeah I, I i i can't speak highly enough of that moment in particular even yeah. if you don't play all of kentucky red zero just please play through the act two and experience that with everybody else because goddamn 
Uh, yeah, that that's when Kentucky Route Zero like really elevates itself to a completely another level for me. Yeah, it definitely peaks in like the middle acts, weirdly enough. Yeah, but I yeah I I agree. It's on Spotify, which is cool, and also um Junebug uh released a vinyl you can get mm-hmm. or i guess ben babbitt did through Junebug. i have it and it's great it's really good <laughs> uh so i don't know if it was a limited time thing i got it as a gift what's also really creepy is like my friend uh, eric who's a huge he's been a fan of kentucky Route zero like as it was gradually released for the last seven years yeah and uh he got it for me as a gift but didn't tell me so i just randomly got it one day i just like received june bugs vinyl which is the way to get it yeah you know, absolutely. it's like, <laughs> like where did this come from uh, and it's like a beautiful vinyl too yeah um man god yeah. shout out to cardboard computer thank you for everything that you did thank you for game. everything How about I just uh, keep going down my best needle drops in video games um, yeah. and and uh, talk about a game that I was going to include in this category also, uh, Death Stranding, a recent, oh my God. A recent yeah. game for me. This is a game that is mostly uh, a various artists, a now that's what I call music compilation, um, <laughs> uh, arranged by Hideo Kojima himself. Just, I mean, you and I talked about it a lot very recently on our episode with Chris Plant and the episode before that uh, where we talked about Death Stranding, but... Uh, can't be overstated how impactful the moments are in which you you come over the peak of a hill uh you're you're at the pinnacle of of your of your hike uh and and you know a song by low low roar starts playing which i gotta mention low roar is like my favorite version of radiohead at all times (laughs) like if you really like the song nude off the album in rainbows that is low roars vibe on every song on every (laughs) album they've ever released i had no idea what who that band was before playing death stranding and now i'm a very big low roar fan Anyway, uh, Death Stranding has, has an extremely successful and effective soundtrack that plays at exactly the right times. It really feels like uh, like a like a like a filmic needle drop, um, and really just goes to highlight like Kojima's film influences. He says he watches two movies a day. I believe it after playing Death Stranding, mainly inspired by the way music comes in. It's incredible really incredible i think so too i mean there's definitely a filmmaker quality to those moments you just highlighted i think also in that game's attempt at like exploring the relationship the internet has on like human connection the idea that you can make a mailbox or a bridge that plays music and like the the act of someone just kind of being like okay this is going to play this song by this artist this is going to play church's song whatever Mm -hmm. and that can like really brighten someone's playthrough in the right moment you know there's yeah. like a notably upbeat song. Let me see if I can find the name of it. Um, Pop Virus by Pop uh, virus. Jen Hoshina. Pop Virus. I, every mailbox I made had Pop Virus. And that song is like so fucking good and, and happy. And like it is there just to make someone's like BT escaping a little bit more pleasant. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, Good pick. Yeah, when I when I was doing my streams of Death Stranding, I made sure to end every every uh, session with uh, Sam sitting in one of the private rooms listening to Pop Virus, which is why every <laughs> one of those YouTube videos has a copyright claim on it. <laughs> oh my god, that's a bummer. <laughs> um, what else you got there? I only have one left. So oh really? Okay, to, I have a yeah. bunch. Yeah, so I guess I could just keep going through mine. Um, uh, another needle drop moment that I'm just gonna like fly over very quickly because I don't want to spoil it, but just like you'll know what I'm talking about. And a couple people out there will also know what I'm talking about. 13 Sentinels seaside. Oh vacation. my God. Yes, 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 yes. AJ play it. It's good. Or should we uh, even? No, don't play it. No, nothing. Don't play it. Don't, no, no, don't no. play it. <laughs> I mean, play the game. AJ, don't play the song, but yes. you, dear listener should play 13 Sentinels. So you can hear the moment that we're talking about it. it just in terms of like a moment that will reframe your relationship with that game. Uh, I completely agree. I, I think we've cited that moment a lot. And that is that is something that like, even though I didn't choose the overall soundtrack, that moment and that song raised like you can only relate to what you've experienced. And that was a new experience that I can yeah. now point to yes. uh, artistically. Yeah, that, that's a really good way of putting it. Another one that I think you'll be very into. Actually, I'll, I'll say these two back to back for for very different reasons. Skyrim by Jeremy Soule. Ooh nice a lot of it was <laughs> nice a lot of it was because <laughs> you and i just played it recently and i think the yeah. soundtrack was one of the things that really stood out to me in our revisitation of that game specifically the the song that plays in white run it's called streets of white run but but that song when it hit was just like oh my god this is like ingrained in my head in a way that i really didn't think about or realize until i went and played that game again The Skyrim soundtrack is great, and and it's funny going back and playing Oblivion as well, which is like you're you're in my favorite game to to discuss. But like for all the things I love about Oblivion, the soundtrack is not one of them. Also by Jeremy Soul, but like the soundtrack yeah. like doesn't really stand out to me in a way that Skyrim has like four or five songs that have like become memes and then have like been memes for so long they've come around the other end and are like classics. <laughs> That's like the whole game basically. It's like what we talked about in the bonus. Is like yeah. this is actually a good game still. Yeah, but I think. It, it had so much more identity to go off of because like while we love the world of oblivion the soundtrack was sort of like okay this is like generic fantasy stuff but skyrim has this like kind of norse angle and it's like you know this choirs and i mean weirdly enough like i think that you know those songs like the dovahkiin song and like the the fighting songs like were the ones that stood out initially. I think the best songs in that soundtrack are the ones like you cited streets of white run and also like you go on any like relaxing tavern music for 10 hour playlists on YouTube. And it's like all Skyrim. Yeah, like totally. the downtime songs of Skyrim are, are beautiful. They're great. Yeah. Um, and you would never think about them while you're playing it, but like they're really just seamlessly effective. Yeah. Um, uh, just, just uh, an incredible score. I love elder scrolls. Uh, the, the one that I want to bring up back to back with this one is fallout four specifically. Um, interesting, okay. which does not have a very good original score, like not, I, not to be mean, but I, I think they're, uh, they're like music library that they've, uh, picked up, not music library. I forget what it's called. Their music supervision as it were, uh, the, the songs that they picked up, the, the old timey songs, uh, the classics that they picked up for that really really uh, allowed me to play that game for much longer than I would have. Oh yeah. Because I don't, I don't think that the game is like 
great. I don't think that the original score is great, but the soundtrack and the radio that you can listen to while you're playing that game is good enough that it will keep you playing it longer than you think you should. But specifically, <laughs> like, gets into this kind of, like, fun vibe that I think Fallout weirdly needs even more of than it already has. Because uh, cause Fallout, I, th- I think as a franchise, the thing that really bums me out generally is, like, it tries to get too serious at times when like that is impossible like you can no longer be serious because of some of the other things that i've experienced um you've already created right. a world where like this kind of tone doesn't work and and i think the soundtrack is always alluding to like the dream version of fallout that i have in my head whenever <laughs> whenever i think about fallout i think about a specific vibe that i get specifically from the music that is never represented in full in the game the only fallout piece of media that i've experienced where i always feel that is fallout shelter which is a cartoon uh so (laughs) i don't know i don't know what that says that's i mean i think the series overall has a really interesting relationship with music specifically like the old-timey radio stuff and i think i would even say that like at the more successful moments music is is like one of the few remaining like rays of hope in the world Mm -hmm. like i think about even like the the role of the radio host in Fallout in Fallout Three, Three Dog is like kind of almost a a mirror of the protagonist, and that he's like he even says at one point he's like I'm actually helping the world as much as you are, just in my own way. Like I need to be here, yeah. and I need to do this show that's just like about what's happening because people can't feel alone right now, you know. And yeah. like he also is someone who will announce to the world you're either good deeds or evil deeds. But I think that. That felt very intentional to me to like put the radio and put music and put the radio star in such a positive light in Absolutely. that world. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm so with you. So uh, Fallout 4 kind of gets like a weird mention on this list, but I just wanted to bring it up uh, for <laughs> that reason. Totally. Um, because every time they announce a new Fallout game, I'm like, man, what what cool like deep tracks did they dig up from the 40s? I got seared in my head in Fallout 3. I had this memory of like seeing blood all over the screen, like pausing it by pulling up my pit boy and hearing like, keep whacking up, whacking up, whacking What's um, next, man? Yeah, let me let me fly through a couple more. Uh, yeah, no rush. Th- this one is actually going to be very quick. Um, Firewatch by Chris Ramo. Oh, good one. Yeah. Specifically, the song Canyon Sunset, which is the one that uh, is on the PlayStation 4 theme that everybody had. That I still have, and it's great. That you still have, yeah. I mean, that, that song became synonymous with the PlayStation 4 for me, is like how good that song me is. Me too. <laughs> um, weirdly enough. Uh, but but the rest of that score is, is just as wonderful. Um, I didn't even talk about this on the show. I was thinking about it, and then I ended up not bringing it up. Replayed recently, Firewatch and Gone Home, two, two games that are like kind of intrinsically linked. Both of them have soundtracks by Chris Ramo. And uh, Firewatch is just very successful, very good. I need to finish Firewatch given that I have the theme constantly. It's like become a theme for me. Dude, I want nothing more than to talk to you about the end of Firewatch and just like yes. know what you think about it. I'm so yes. I'm so curious to pick your brain about that. Ugh, I'm excited. That'd be a, that'd be a fun conversation. Okay, what is here? Oh, okay. Uh, three, but very quick. The first one, Hotline Miami. Um, mm, yeah. I mean, 
just ridiculous just a ridiculous soundtrack just an unbelievable collection of artists that they that they managed to pick up for that for that soundtrack i would put this in the keeps you going category because like you know yeah. you're doing all these yeah, runs and like you're kind of in this almost hypnotic state it's almost like the evil version of keeps you going because <laughs> you're just like so just kind of like yeah, you hypnotized. should not. yeah yeah <laughs> um so hotline miami i think it's great um i i come on i'm gonna mention animal crossing um oh yeah what I wrote here was Animal Crossing, all of it. It's all good, man. Every single Animal Crossing <laughs> game has an incredible soundtrack. It is so wholly unique to that franchise. There's really not a whole lot I can say about it outside of like, if you know, you know. So that's yeah, cool. and that's definitely a heart of the world. I mean, I think about my favorite one is the Rainy Day song for the original. Mm. Uh, it just it just like translates what the mood of the day is so accurately. Yeah, or for I, the time. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show, but uh, there's a there's a Chrome extension that I use that uh, plays the correct hour music at the right time. Oh, that's so fun. Um, so like right now, uh, as our recording is happening, it would be playing like the 11 p.m. music. But it also takes into account what the weather is in your area. So like today, all day, oh. I was listening to it and it was playing the snow versions of all the songs which is great. Um, so fun. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, so I, I listen to Animal Crossing music like pretty much constantly. It's like very much my like I need to do work and I'm like focused on work music, uh, which is great. The last one I want to mention, and this is one I'll I probably won't go too deep on, but like I think it's just worth mentioning um, kind of maybe a surprise uh, left left field pick for you um, is Pokemon Emerald. Hmm. I guess Ruby and Sapphire specifically, uh, Sapphire, Sapphire t- to get even more specific. Um, but the reason I'm bringing this up is, first of all, the Pokemon franchise. Were you going to bring a Pokemon at all? No, actually, surprisingly. I mean, I think it's got great music, the early ones specifically. Yeah. But yeah, please go on. I, I was thinking about this a lot and like Pokemon completely slipped my mind as a franchise with great music, like pretty much until like right before we started recording. And then I just had this like brain blast when I was like looking through my old my own memories or like thinking about my own memories of like thinking about music and video games. So like, first of all, obviously, Pokemon Red and Blue just like completely changed the game with some of oh, some yeah. of that music. And like those songs still to this day are like being reinterpreted in, in their most recent games. Um, they it's like, it's kind of like a dragon quest situation where like every single Pokemon game you play, you kind of know what you're going to get out of it uh, yes. by way of music, but there's going to be some new stuff on top of that. And that's going to be really special and really cool. Um, the thing about Pokemon Sapphire and the reason I'm bringing it up is first of all, you know, break free of the game boy and the game boy color. And you're on the game boy advance at this point, um, which has like a much more robust sound card and, and sound chip built into it. So like you can get a lot more interesting sounds. Um, when you turn that game on for the first time, it like launches into this like wild orchestral piece that is played completely through the game boy advance, uh, speaker and like, doesn't sound super good unless you plug in headphones and like are playing it in stereo mode. Or like are emulating it or something. But it's just like shocking that that sound comes out of the Game Boy Advance, I think. And I I remember this moment when I first got Pokemon Sapphire. And this is why I'm bringing it up. I remember the moment when I first got Pokemon Sapphire and I put it in my Game Boy Advance. I turned it on and I heard that like orchestra shoot out of the Game Boy Advance speaker. And I was like, I didn't know that video games had music in them until right now. (laughs) It was like the moment when my brain woke up to the fact that there were soundtracks in video games. And and Pokemon, sorry, Pokemon Sapphire was like, I think like a really interesting starting point for me, like 
considering music in video games at all because I, I think they took a lot of really interesting chances with that game uh, specifically the fact that so much of it takes place like out in the water and and out on like islands and floating from here to there I think there's a lot of like really interesting range between the locations that you visit in Pokemon Sapphire and in, in that third generation and the music they use they really like really use um, all of that hardware to their advantage to like really like make all of those places very identifiable not just visually but sonically uh and and i think they they knocked it out of the park with with uh the third generation and i just really really have to credit like that game specifically with making me aware of video game soundtracks Uh, and i and i couldn't do this episode without bringing that up I mean, I think you're right that Red and Blue... I mean, I, I remember all those songs still. Yeah. It, it was an awakening for sure. I'm so excited. I My biggest secret is that I haven't played that generation. I've only played I know. Fire Red and Leaf Green, so I'm so excited to experience that. Uh, I'll be kicking myself for not having it in <laughs> the heart of the game category. <laughs> um, I've got one more. Sure, hit me. Probably not a surprise, but I think it's kind of fun for last. Do you have anyone else? Is this the last one? No, that's it. I'm done. I'm done with my list. We got one more. I think you'll feel similarly to me. Um, My last soundtrack for The Heart of the World is Near Automata by Kaichi Yakabe. I kind of can't believe I didn't put this on my list. I don't know how this didn't make it. But yeah, you're right. This this is... Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I mean... I think, you know, Nier is, is a game that doesn't land the same for everyone, and I recognize that. It obviously means a lot to me. We've talked about it a lot. Um, we had our uh, episode with Chris Plant, which was a lot of fun. Uh, I talked about it on Games of the Decade. I talked about it before then, even. Uh, I it, it is easily one of my favorite games of all time, and I think a lot of my emotional connection to it is through the music. You know, you don't really get a lot from the characters. Um, I mean, you do... But you don't get like you're not going to remember the dialogue or like specific moments like you would maybe in a game like uh, Three Houses or Mass Effect where it's like mm-hmm. so character centric. It really is all the music. Um, and the music is like the moment I knew I loved Nier Automata was when all the machines are like uh, doing weird shit and they all come together. And out of like a weird gooey glop, there's a very handsome naked man. Uh, and then it immediately cuts to uh, Birth of a Wish, which is like a song that, again, kind of like Undertale keeps coming back. Mm-hmm. And the more it comes back, uh, they keep adding stuff to it. Uh, I think the best version of it and the one that I think everyone points to is Birth of a Wish, Become a God or Become As Gods. Um that whole sequence in the factory where all the machines had become this like suicidal cult is so scary and heartbreaking, but the action is like thrilling. And you're really, I, I was really on the edge of my seat in that whole sequence. And it feels like between the camera shifting perspective constantly and like just the way you go through it and the way that song just doesn't stop. It's like relentless. Mm. It really aids that moment so well. I think I can't talk about the soundtrack without mentioning the song that plays in the end credits that like just fucks me up every time. Whenever that song comes up on my shuffle, I start crying like full, full snot, like ugly cry (laughs) to weight of the world, which is, I think 
when we talked about it, we realized that like at a certain point in that song during the credits, which, you know, I won't fully spoil that moment for those who don't want to be spoiled, but everyone involved in the game is singing at one point, including Yokotaro. Like mm-hmm. it's, it is this moment that like everything about the game comes together and it's literally everyone singing. And like, what is, and that's the thing that I say constantly about this game is like everything about Nier Automata is grim and bleak and hopeless and the fact that that game ends so optimistically and literally ends in like a group song, you can't believe it when it's happening. You know, the fact that that is how that game ends <laughs> is so beautiful. And I, I will say that every time we talk about it, Copied City is another incredible track to like one of the most iconic moments in the game when you're in like the evil Apple store. Just so good. Uh, th- this soundtrack, also all on Spotify. We're not like sponsored by Spotify, but that's like where I listen to music. <laughs> um, but it's available. It's like, easy to get. Yeah. So yeah, Nier Automata is, it, it's sort of like one of the games here that like my love for the game, my love for the soundtrack are like as equal to each other as possible. Mm. That is that is my list. That's all of them. Man, that was that's a lot of video game soundtracks we just talked yeah. about. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that though. I mean, I think like you and I, I think we're both like really uh, excited but nervous to record this episode because we weren't sure how the structure was going to go. You know, because like I think we both highlight music a lot in our normal episodes, but it usually is just us saying like. It's really good. That's usually what we say. Like, right, the right, music right. is great, which is cool. But I'm, I'm glad we had this opportunity to kind of explore why in the best way we could, you know, at least, you know, with within the parameters here. And at midnight. And at midnight. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah, we, we are really like running on vapor right now, but I feel really happy. I feel like I did at the end of Near Automata where I'm like kind of exhausted and tired and sad. But, like I feel really good. Yeah. Yeah, me too. So that's this was yeah. fun. This was really fun. I I definitely I definitely was like I don't know how this episode's gonna go out. Everyone's every once in a while we'll sit down and record an episode, and I'm like I don't know how this one's gonna go, and then it usually ends up all right. And this one I was like, is this gonna be the one that doesn't end up all right? And you know what? It was a fun time. I had a really good time. I think it was great. I really loved it. I think this is the best one yet. <laughs> Top five episodes. This is the biggest world we've ever put in a video game. <laughs> you can go to that mountain you see in the distance. You can listen you can to the soundtrack. It. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay, I think we're going to wrap up. Um, special <laughs> huge thanks in all our love to you and especially to our patrons for this bonus. Uh, you allow all the bonus episodes to be made. Thank you for allowing us to make more stuff for everyone. Uh, you're the best. And thank you just for listening. Um, if you like the show, Into the Cast Online is all our available links. You know the drill. If you're here an hour or whatever of this bonus, I think you know what to do. We love you. We appreciate you so much. We hope you enjoyed this. We certainly did. And we will see you real soon. And also, um, uh, we'll probably, once we have a firmer idea of how we're doing this, we'll like, 
put it in the show notes or tweet about it or whatever. But um, I think we do want to make a playlist to accompany this episode. So we might do it on Spotify. We may do it on YouTube because not everything is on Spotify. We might do both. So keep an eye out on that. Uh, we'll let you know how that goes. Yeah, that that will exist when this episode is out. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's all I got. So, so long. That's all I got too, I think. <laughs> you know, you know, it was really good. You know, it was a good, a good song. I'm scared. What was uh, the intro music for Super Smash Brothers Brawl? Okay, was it good? Is this a bit? I don't. I don't, I don't even remember it. To da, be honest. Na, na, na. Da, na, na, na. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, now I remember it. Wow, that that brought me back right to 2008. Yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah. know why. That's the that's the one that really worked for me. Now I'm thinking about it. I will give a shout out to the Melee orchestral soundtrack. Oh, yeah, great, really good. Yeah. Um, ultimate. Eh. I mean, it's just sort of, it's a, it's a big collection of a lot of songs, so it doesn't feel like as unique. Yeah, but Brawl, Brawl, for all of that game's faults. We gotta stop. We gotta, <laughs> we gotta end this recording. <laughs> when you don't make eye contact with me and just go, Brawl, we're, we're done. We got nothing else to say. I really love the music they include in the New York Times crossword puzzle app. <laughs> Sunday's the hardest, but it sounds the best. Sunday's song fucking rips. My favorite game soundtrack is the game Simon, where you have to hit the colors <laughs> that light up. Bop it. <laughs> Do you ever play Bop It Extreme? Twist it. It had flick it and spin it as well. Throw me. <laughs> okay, goodbye. We gotta go. <laughs> you just said throw me in like an atonal kind of shoegazy way no Let's get no, no no goodbye <laughs> no 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 okay it's goodbye, so goodbye, late goodbye. <laughs> it's so late goodbye we love you Mwah.